This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. You know what that means. That means it is my opportunity to answer your questions on any subject. You can go ahead and start queuing up. 1-800-848-9222. Whatever you have uh, questions about, I will do my best to answer them as part of... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Perhaps you have questions about Atlantic City. Perhaps you have questions about baseball. Perhaps you have questions about cuisine. Perhaps you have questions about the political process, the legislative process, the criminal justice system, pro wrestling, extraterrestrials, conspiracy theories, whatever. If you're genuinely curious about something, this is your opportunity. If it's not something that I've addressed during the week, or even if it is and you want to follow up, this is your opportunity to ask a question on any subject you like. All you have to do is dial 1-800-848-9222, And whoever comes up with the best, the most interesting, the most creative question in the eyes of not of me, but in the eyes and ears of Matt Blaze, Alex Barnard, and Kenneth, will be gifted a prize from our Other Side of Midnight online store. And from what I understand, I didn't listen to it, but from what I understand last week in their Darker Side of Midnight podcast, they made clear their criteria for what they're looking for in a creative question. And from what I understand, this is all second and third hand, They're not crazy about political questions. Now, I don't mind tackling a political question if there's a political question you're genuinely curious about. But um, I don't know that that's going to get you a prize. So whatever your questions are, I'm just going to try and answer them. Now, I will mention that um, a few of you have been already emailing me in the last seven minutes, and I appreciate that. I'm going to answer your – if you've sent me a question via email, I'm going to answer your question on Tuesday when we go through the email. Because there's a lot of people that uh, are queuing up for these. And unless we run out of people on the phone, I'm going to save the email questions for Tuesday. All right, 800-848-9222, two open lines if you have a question on any subject. Let me begin with Jay. Hello there, Jay. Oh, we lost Jay. All right. Uh, well, you, you know, oh for 1. Vito, what's your question, Vito? Hey, Frank, how are you? You could be the next uh, Chuck Norris. Uh, as far as selling products, my question to you is, what do you recommend? Regular unleaded, mid-grade, or premium gasoline? I recommend, look, and I'm not a good guy to ask because I don't know that much about cars, but from people that I've spoken to that do know about cars, this is what I recommend going with. I recommend going with what the car calls for. If you have a, a high-grade engine, a luxury car, and it calls for super premium, super-duper premium, I think you should probably go for that. Let me give you the caveat, though. I think premium is better. However, 
I think if you're leasing a car instead of purchasing a car, what difference is it really going to make? Is it really going to make a tremendous uh, difference in the engine performance for the two or three years that you have that car? I don't think so. So if it's a car that you own and the engine, the, the manual calls for you to put premium in there, I say put premium in there. But if it's a lease, eh, okay. I don't know that I would put I would spend that extra money for premium. Although I will say that chances are if you have the kind of money to afford one of those ultra luxury vehicles that recall for the premium gasoline, even if it's only for a lease, chances are you could spend an extra five or ten dollars per fill up as opposed to the working class stiffs like me. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two Tom is in Mineola. Hello, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I hear you talking about wrestling once in a while, Frank, and uh, you never mentioned the one and only, the great Bobo Brazil. Why is that? Well, How like, did you guys forget that? Well, I, I it's not that, I, I, first of all, I feel like we have mentioned uh, Bobo Brazil, but I, I you know, he was not, ju- he was not somebody that I followed. Uh, at the time that I was ro- watching wrestling, he was just not one of my uh, the, the people that I I grew up watching, and I get it. But um, and I feel terrible that he died, and I appreciate the fact that he uh, the impact that he had on wrestling. He was just not somebody that I watched. Uh, I don't know why. I think he might have been in the NWA around the time uh, that I that I was watching, but uh, I don't know. I think his heyday was more in the seventies. And a lot of the wrestling that I watched was in the uh, mostly in the 80s and and 90s. So I know he was active still in the 80s, but for whatever reason, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't watch much of him. I didn't pay too much attention to him. I will say this about Bobro Brazil. He was a mentor to Rocky Johnson, who was the father of The Rock, who, after being a big wrestling star, is now a big movie star, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, so he's named for, well, his last name is Johnson for his father, Rocky Johnson. His mentor was Bobo Brazil. But, yeah, uh, you know, shame on me, but it was just not somebody that I really followed. 800-848-9222, answering your questions on any subject. Pete is in Piscataway. It's that away. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. Uh, Hernandez, Munson, and Mattingly, Hall of Famers? Oh. You know, uh, that is such a uh, such a good question, and it's one that I've debated with my Yankee fan relatives repeatedly. Um, I have a sentimental spot for for all those guys. Um, I always used to try to make the case that Hernandez was more likely a Hall of Famer than Mattingly, but honestly, their numbers are pretty comparable. I look. Sentimentally, I'm putting all three of them in the Hall of Fame. But um, Munson's career being as short as it was, I'm not sure if he makes it. I do think that Keith Hernandez and Don Mattingly probably should be in there. Hernandez, with all his gold gloves, with that 86 World Series championship with the Mets, with the 1979 uh, MVP with the Cardinals, with the longevity of his career... Uh, Mattingly, I'm going to say yes to Mattingly, yes to Hernandez, 
And it kills me to do it because he was my dad's favorite baseball player. But I'm saying no to Thurman Munson, the captain. 800-848-9222. open lines as we on this edition of Ask Frank Anything. Alex is in Brooklyn. Hello there, Alex. Hey, Frank. Thanks for taking the call. So sure. I got, be, before I get to the question which I called in, I do have a different question, which sure. is something that I experienced this week, and I want to see how you would go about it. So what if you were in a grocery shop, right, and you have this long list that your wife gave you, and it's now allergy season, which is what I had. My snow started running. I desperately needed a tissue. I only had dollar bills in my pocket, and I had no tissues on me. What would you do then? Well, I, I always have a tissue on me, especially having uh, a... Uh, but if you didn't? Well, if, if, I, if I didn't... Um... I would not use the dollar. I'll tell you that. So let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I did. Yeah. What I did was I took a tissue box from the grocery. I opened it, and then I paid for it when I went to the cashier. So I just, it's a different thing if you're in that situation. You've got to think it deeper because it's pretty tough. But I also wanted to ask you, yesterday you were saying that you're glad the prices of eggs are going down because you don't have to use your substitute for eggs. So I'm wondering, what did you use to substitute for eggs? And the and this is the last question, short one. Which of these four the, people on Fox News do you think are the funniest? Tyrus, Greg Gutfeld, Kat Timpf, or Jimmy Fela? You know, honestly, I don't really – the only show on Fox News that I watched was Tucker. So I've not seen any mm-hmm. of their shows. So I can't answer the second question. The egg su- mm-hmm. substitute that I used was, uh, was just egg, a, a plant-based egg substitute. And um, so that was the one that I used. And normally, just egg, which is good. It was a little more, it was as expensive or more expensive than regular eggs. So if you were looking to use it for health reasons or you were looking to use it for, uh, you know, for animal cruelty reasons, it made sense. But if you're looking to use it just for economics, normally it didn't make sense to use it. But the price of eggs so skyrocketed that it did make sense to use those plant-based egg substitutes. So the one that I used was called Just Egg. But, I, yeah, I can't answer your question on uh, the Fox people. I've seen Jimmy Fiala at Talkers, at the Talkers conference, do stand-up, and he was very funny. I don't know what he's like on television or on radio, but uh, he's got a lot of fans. I've known people that have worked with him on radio. I know a few people that listen to him on radio, and they say he's very funny. Gutfeld, I've heard as a guest on other radio shows, and I've seen once in a while on television. Um, not in a while, but I, I, honestly, I never heard him say anything really. I've never heard him see, say anything really funny, honestly. Nothing against him. Seems like a nice enough guy, but I've never heard him say really anything funny. I've never heard Tyrus say anything with the sound on uh, because we have the sound off in the break room, and I think they usually have Fox on one of those, and I see him sitting there with this with this championship belt, and I don't know what championship belt he's claiming to hold now, but it used to drive me crazy as a wrestling fan and a fan of the NWA, seeing him holding the NWA World Television Championship because the television championship has had such a great history in the NWA. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is the NWA – for better or worse, it's having, you know, it, it's it's just starting out. It's very much a third promotion right now. And so I, I don't want to put this in a way that's insulting to Tyrus or anybody else. Tyrus, in his prime, was not a good wrestler. 
And yet, now that he's a cable news pundit, he's been able to have this whole second life as a wrestler. And from what I can tell, I don't have any insider information about this, and people may disagree. But from what I could, what I could tell, they slapped these championship belt on this guy Tyrus solely because he's bringing it on to the Fox News Channel and bringing more exposure to the NWA, which I think is wrong. The NWA Television Championship has such a robust history. People like Ivan Koloff, people like Ric Flair, people like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, people like, um, I don't know, Greg the Hammer Valentine. And to see a guy like Tyrus, who shouldn't even be able to watch a championship wrestling match, let alone actually claim to be a champion, to see him out there claiming to be the television champion and wearing the same belt that guys like Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine wore, it's really insulting to those of us that are wrestling fans. And, um, again, I I haven't heard him say anything on TV, really, but he could be the greatest TV pundit there is. But so I don't know how funny he is. I've heard Greg Valentine, excuse me, Greg Valentine. I've heard Greg Guckfeld from time to time. I've not heard him say anything funny. Jimmy Fiala, when I heard him do stand up, he was funny. So I don't know if he's funny on TV also, though. 800-848-9222. Dan is on Long Island. Hello, Dan. Yeah, Frank. William Shatner made an appearance in Barnaby Jones, Season 1, Episode 2. Were you aware of that, and have you seen that episode? I was aware of it. I have not seen it, no. That's a good one. Uh, I had one other thing. The other week, a caller mentioned the movie The Seven Ups, and you you said you hadn't seen it. That movie has one of the best hands-down car chases of... uh, of all time in there. you got to check that out. Really? Okay, I will. It's interesting yeah. that Roy Schneider it's right would... up there with Bullet and, uh, you know... Uh, French Connection. French Connection. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's interesting it that Roy Schneider would be, in, would be in two movies that were known for car, in, uh, car chases. Yeah, well, it's in my Netflix queue, so I have until September 29th to watch all these movies uh, until Netflix takes them away from me. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your questions in a moment. And again, just a reminder, whoever comes up with the best, the most interesting, the most creative questions in the minds of Matt, Kenneth, and Alex. And again, they put a premium on non-political questions. Whoever comes up with the most creative question, they will give a prize to. Uh, last week, they selected um, the, a question about the Incredible Hulk having sex. And, um, you know, I wish I would have given a little bit of a different answer. That's one of those questions where once you think a little bit about it, you maybe come up with a little bit of a different answer. But, you know, whatever. You throw these questions at me, and I answer them as best I can. 800-848-9222. Ask Frank anything straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. You just saved me when my life came crumbling down. Hey, you know you're gonna need me. Hello, Friday. This is The Other Side of Midnight. It is Friday, and on Fridays, we do our best to answer your questions on any subject. 
at 800-848-9222 as part of The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. All right. Tom is in Baltimore, WCBM land. Hello, Tom. How you doing, Frank? I'm well. Easiest question I've gotten all hour. Okay, uh, Major League Baseball, in your opinion, who's been the best pitcher in the last 50 years? Last 50 years? Last 50, you said? Yeah. I, I got to go with Nolan Ryan. No, I mean, uh, five. You got that right. Yeah, 5,000 yeah. 5, strikeouts, seven no hitters. I don't know that there's anybody that, uh, that can compare to that. I mean, there's been a lot of great. Thank you, Tom. There's been a lot of great pitchers over the last 50 years, including a lot of great pitchers for the New York Mets, like Doc Gooden and others. But uh, certainly people like Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, Randy Johnson, uh, Max Scherzer now. I, I think the, the Mets have one of the greatest pitchers. Over the last 20 years right now, Justin Verlander pitching for them, and I think he's going to be, I think, potentially the decision, um, you know, the difference maker for us in, a, in terms of where we go in the postseason this year. But as far as I can tell, there's nobody that even compares to Nolan Ryan in the last 50 years. Now, if you're going back 60 years, then I think you could probably make a strong case for uh, Sandy Koufax. But even then, I'm not sure you could say he was better than Nolan Nolan Ryan. If you're going back 70 years, then maybe you can make a case for Don Drysdale or Don Newcomb. Even then, I don't know that you could say either of those guys was better than Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan is a once-in-a-century pitcher. And I'm just thankful that I – I'm sorry I never got to see him pitch in person, but I'm thankful that I got to, got lived at the time that he was still pitching. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mike is in New Rochelle. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Uh, you're usually good at this. I'm trying oh, to boy. pinpoint what season or what year did the Simpsons start to suck, in your opinion? Excellent question. I am going to say around 2005, 2006, right around there. I had it pegged around season six or seven, but I'll go really? by your standards. Well, that was early. I mean, six and six or seven is ninety five, ninety six. I was buying the DVD sets up until that time, and for some reason, I started losing interest around there. And that's why I said, you know what? Let me ask Frank his opinion. So maybe I'll start watching them from there on to the, the rest of them and see where it goes. Well, Mike, and by the, thank you for that. Uh, I am going to go back and look at the different episodes from the different seasons. But you know what? You know what my mark, my line of demarcation is. Is for me, for so long, The Simpsons was appointment television that I had to watch it. And, in fact, a great show, at least for two seasons, was Arrested Development. And the only reason I started watching Arrested Development was because it was on after The Simpsons. Because I had to watch The Simpsons. It was must-watch. And then, as you asked your question, I'm trying to think, when did The Simpsons become a show that I no longer had to watch? And I think it was 2005, 2006, right around then. And uh, again, I we we keep it on on Sundays if I'm awake at 8 p.m., which is which is rare, because I try to nap maybe from 7:30 to 8 o'clock, 7:30 to 9:30 maybe. But if I'm up at eight, I try to keep The Simpsons on. And there've been some good good episodes this season. But the downturn I think began in 2005, 2006. There's no question about it that the the show was at its best when people like Conan O'Brien were writing for it. 
when Sam Simon was still alive. He was only with the show, I think, for the first two seasons. But it's, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a different show than it was years ago. And look, the sentiments of the public change as well. So it's not just the show. Sometimes the show could stay the same and uh, the sentiments of the public change. Somebody made that same point to me about uh, Mike Francesa recently, who's a sports commentator, and how when his show was on, and when it was number one, even after he split from the Mad Dog, they would not miss his show under any circumstances. And then he went away, and people found other things to listen to. And then he came back, and all of a sudden he was doing the same thing he always did, but his show wasn't as much of a must-listen to because the world had changed. People were able to get the same sort of content, the same sort of itches scratched from that they'd previously gotten scratched from Mike from all sorts of other sources. So sometimes the world changes, even if you stay the same. 800-848-9222. John is in East Chester. Hello, John. Hello, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my question for you is you um, – Somebody comes up to you and says, you need to make your own MLB baseball team. Who's your team? Of current players? Of, of any players that you would want to pick. Well, but are we talking current players or all time? All time. All time. Okay. Um, I'm picking as a uh, as a starting pitcher, I'll pick Cy Young. As a catcher, I'll pick... Um, Yogi Berra as uh, as a first baseman I'll pick um I'll pick uh, I guess I'm picking Lou Gehrig as a second baseman mm, maybe I'm picking Ryan Sandberg I'm picking Ernie Banks at shortstop I'm picking Ernie I'm picking um Brooks Robinson at uh third base although maybe Wade Boggs in the outfield I'm picking Mickey Mantle Joe DiMaggio and Willie Mays, and if I get a uh, a DH, I'm picking uh, I'm picking Babe Ruth. Thank you, John. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Rocco is in Saratoga. Hello, Rocco. Yeah. Hey. Yes, Frank. How are you doing? How's the wife and how is Carmine doing? If I may ask. Everything's great. Everybody's great. Thanks for asking, Rocco. Appreciate great. it. Great. And how about you, Frank? I'm doing well, Rocco. What's your question? Okay, my question – no, I'm going to debate you first on the baseball stuff. I'm a baseball nerd, okay? My question will come after this. First of and all – Kenneth, we're telling Tom everybody to get to their point the right best away. pitcher right? in the last 50 years. Check it out. Nolan Ryan had tremendous records for strikeouts, but he was barely a 500 pitcher. He won 324 games and lost 292 for a winning percentage of – Look at Seaver's winning percentage. Rocco, look, you know, Tom Seaver, Rocco, 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 okay, thank uh-huh. you. Ro- um, Tom Seaver was the franchise, and I meant to put him on hold, and I inadvertently hung up on him, sorry. Um, Tom Seaver was the franchise. You're not going to get me to say anything negative about Tom Seaver. Nolan Ryan had seven no-hitters. Seven no-hitters. No pitcher in the history of baseball has ever been able to do that. I don't know if any pitcher in the history of baseball will be able to do that again. Tom Seaver, I think, had one no-hitter, maybe two. And not that no-hitters alone are the the determining factor of greatness, but it matters. Nolan Ryan struck out 5,000 batters. And 
Look, again, I'm not, I'm not looking to say anything negative about Tom Seaver. I'm a Mets fan. He was the franchise. He's Tom Terrific. But uh, there's, no, there's no comparison, in my view, in terms of longevity, in terms of the, different, the things that they were able to do. And they were friendly when they came up with the Mets together in the 60s. So um, respectfully, Rocco, and again, I didn't mean to hang up on you, but respectfully, it's just I don't think you can compare the two. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Dave is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hello. Hey, Frank, how are you? Hey, listen, um, Bobo Brazil was in the 60s. Well, he started in the 60s, but he didn't retire until the 90s, 1993. Oh, wow, that's pretty... But he had his, 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 his heyday was in the early part of the 70s. Oh, okay. Well, that's amazing. Um, I saw him wrestle in the 60s. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with a guy named Bruno Sammartino, right? Yeah, I've talked about Bruno a great deal, including yesterday when we were talking about superstar Billy Graham. Okay, now here's here's the question I'm going to try to stump you with. Mm-hmm. He, res- he wrestled a guy, his first name was Hans. Do you remember his last name? Hans. His first name was Hans? Yeah, hey, Hans. Hans. I don't. No, you don't. Re- you don't remember Hans Mortier? I don't. Hmm. Okay, he was a German fellow. He used to come out and he played the he played the bad guy. He would come out. He used to come out and goose step around on the stage. I saw these guys wrestle in the '60s in Philadelphia, along with uh, a character named uh, Killer Kowalski. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Ray is in the Bronx. Hello, Ray. Yes, Frank, you are the moderator of a Dream Team Roundtable. You get to pick three from the 19, three prominent figures from the 19th century and three from modern-day era. Okay, so I get six people total? Yes. And what's the – and what are we talking about? Are we talking about anything we want? Yes, you're, you're the moderator. You got you six people around. You could talk about anything you want. Which six would you would you pick? All right. So from the 19th century, I'm picking um, Mark Twain. Uh, I'm picking uh, Abraham Lincoln. I'm picking uh, Thomas Jefferson. And um, and then from the modern day, I'm picking. Ralph Nader, Pat Buchanan, and Alan Dershowitz. Great picks. Thank Th- you, Frank. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. Uh, 800-848-9222. Uh, let's see. David is in the Bronx. Hello, David. Yes, good morning, Frank. I've got a question, but I also want to ask you something quickly about the winner from last week, the Incredible Hulk question. Sure. It just occurred to me. Um, now, if the Hulk did change mid lovemaking, wouldn't he have to stop and ask permission to continue because he'd actually be a different person? It's a good question, um, I, and I don't know. These are all things that occurred that occurred to me, but uh, I, it's a good question. I don't know. All right. So my question is: Have you ever had a friend or colleague that was such an aggressive and sleazy womanizer that you had to keep them away from your female friends for their own? Uh, I guess protection. Hmm. Um, well, the greatest, uh, and it's a good question, David. Thank you. I'm trying to think the greatest ladies man that I ever knew was my friend, Vic Christopher, who I was very close to for a time. And then we kind of 
uh, had a little bit of a falling out, and now we're friendly, but I haven't seen him in a while, in years. He was the greatest ladies' man that I ever knew. But I don't think I ever needed to keep a friend away from him or warn her. Maybe I did. Maybe I would have to warn a female friend about about him. Maybe I would. Maybe that's my answer, my friend Vic Christopher. But, you know, Vic was the kind of guy that if it was somebody that I was friends with, he would um, he would say, you know, he would not be doing anything untoward if it was somebody that I was friends with. He was always very respectful in that regard. So I would say if I could pick if, – if I had to name someone, it would be him just because he was the greatest ladies' man I knew. But uh, he was not somebody that would ever be – um, really disrespectful, if that makes sense. 800-848-9222, Ed is in Forest Hills. Hello, Ed. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Frank. Good to talk to you. Sure, again. you too. Uh, my question is about this amnesty program. And what can be done about it? Can we rescind it? Can it be changed? Well, when you and say the amnesty, the border, when you say the amnesty, the wall, when you say the amnesty, Ed, Ed, when you say, Ed, when you say the amnesty program, what amnesty program are you talking about? For immigrants. We don't have amnesty. Well, how are they coming through this country on, the, on the, this loophole in the immigration program? Yeah, uh, Ed, I'm just going to disconnect you because your radio is still on, and I'm hearing myself back, and it's making me feel like a, I'm afflicted here. I'm, I'm drunk without being drunk listening to myself. The um, So the way it works, first of all, we have almost, and the people that have favored amnesty, including people like George W. Bush and John McCain and others, they have said that our system is almost de facto amnesty because of the poor enforcement. What we have now is poor enforcement. And if you had someone that was going to, willing to deport 11 to 13 million illegal immigrants, that would really, they could do that. They would be well within their legal rights to do that. So we have is a couple of things, and it's not one thing, so it's a little complicated. But you have DACA, where you have these dreamers who have this very not-quite-legal, not-quite-illegal status, who came here as children, as illegals, they, they, you have DACA. And there's been court challenges to DACA, the Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals, I think is the full name. You have DACA, and what could be done about that is you could have a president undo DACA, which Trump tried to do, but the courts stopped him to some extent. That's still being litigated to some extent in the courts. But you have a situation where, I mean, the the migrants that are coming to places like New York and Chicago and elsewhere, coming over to the border to the tune of 4,000 a day, those are asylum seekers, or at least they're claiming to be asylum seekers. Some of them may not actually be asylum seekers. They may be using the what you referred to as the loophole of asylum to try to come into this country. And they might be using the backlog, the fact that some of these folks aren't getting court dates till 2035, as an excuse to stay in this country. What do you do about that? Three things. One, I think Trump had it right, and now Biden is, I don't know why it took him two years, but now Biden is starting to get it right with the implementation of Section 8 to replace Section 42. But Trump had it right with the Remain in Mexico policy. You have to have a situation, you have to have good enough relations with Mexico that as that people don't get to select asylum or ch- ask for asylum in whatever country they want to go to 
they get to ask for asylum in whatever country they're in that they're escaping whatever they're seeking asylum from. That's number one. Two is you need more immigration judges. Three is you need a stronger border. We do not have a secure border, even with these 1,500 troops that President Biden has sent there. Four, you need to do away with the sanctions on Venezuela. You need to do away with the sanctions on Cuba. Because our sanctions on Cuba and Venezuela have done nothing to change the government in those countries. What it, the only thing those sanctions have done is impoverished those people and created a whole new generation of poverty. The uh, people that are in Cuba, Denal, the people that are in Venezuela now, people like Maduro, they're doing just fine. It's the rank-and-file people in those countries that are not only starving to death, but the people that are running, the dictator, the communist dictators that are running their governments get to point the finger at the big, bad United States and say, that's why you're starving. That's why you can't feed your family. And um, we need to do away with those sanctions. When you do away with those sanctions, you're going to have fewer people seeking asylum. You have a stronger border and more border security, whether that means more military on the border, whether that means a border wall or something else, you're going to have fewer people getting into this country. You uh, implement, you continue to implement the Remain in Mexico policy, which Biden is now doing to his administration's credit. Again, I don't know why it took two and a half years. You will have fewer people in this country asking for asylum. And then lastly, you need more immigration judges. There is no excuse for why the people that are coming here, their next court date should be 2035. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's almost laughable. I mean, that's the same as not having a court date. You need to dramatically increase the number of people that are in the immigration system that are processing these folks. Has to happen. Has to happen. 800-848-9222. We'll take one more break and we'll continue with your questions on this edition of Ask Frank Anything straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Sound of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. That's Rihanna asking for the music to please not be stopped. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on this program, join our Facebook group. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. That's uh, M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. If you're not in this Facebook group, you're missing out because it's about 20% of people that love everything I do. 
another 20% of people that hate everything that I do, and then another 60% of the people that have a lot of ideas about why the show, how the show could be better. I'll put it that way. And, uh, and I just listen and think, just can't believe you don't have a radio show of your own to implement some of these suggestions. But in any event, uh, we're doing what we do every Friday. Uh, we're giving you an opportunity to ask questions on anything you're curious about. 800-848-9222. Maybe a question about uh, my life, my career. Maybe you have a question about a hypothetical question. Maybe you're looking for advice on something. Uh, maybe you have a question about the uh, world of uh, politics, pro wrestling, Atlantic City, whatever the case may be. Anything that you're genuinely curious about. I genuinely try. I generally try to discourage trivia questions because either I know them or I don't. And so it's not really much of a discussion topic. Ideally, I try to come have questions that people are talking about all weekend long. And whoever comes up with the best question in the minds of Matt, Alex, and Kenneth, that person will get a prize from the other side of Midnight Online Store. So if it's a trivia question, okay, either you know it or you don't know it. People are not going to be talking about it all weekend long, chances are. But a broad question, like the question I asked about uh, dementia, Two days ago. That's a question that I think people are talking about all weekend. All right. 800-848-9222. Let's say hello to Igor in New Jersey. Hello, Igor. Greetings, Frank. I have two questions for you. First question is, I remember seeing uh, the amazing Kreskin on Johnny Carson and and Joe Franklin. I think it's great you have him on the show, and he still sounds so sharp. Thanks. It sounds like you guys know each other, or you're at least very, very, very nice to each other. how did you come to meet him? How did you come to know him? You know, I was uh, – I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think when I first met him, and I don't know – I met him through Joe Franklin. You know, uh, Joe Franklin used to do these monthly um, tapings of his radio show from his restaurant in New York, and Kreskin wa- would often come to those monthly tapings, and I met him there – but I first got to know him well in March of 2005 when I was hosting a public access t- cable show called Morano Vision. And he had agreed to uh, come on the show. And he came on for a while. I was doing a 33-hour show, and uh, he was on about hour six. And I actually, in the midst of his interview, I got a very bad nosebleed, which could have put an end to the whole streak. But uh, Kreskin was so great. You know, Kreskin, even when I interview him now, he doesn't even really need somebody to ask him questions. He just keeps going and going and going. And um, the fact that he was able to be so self-sufficient, I was able to um, take care of my nosebleed while he did his thing. So I first I got to know him well around 2005 when he was a guest on my TV show. But I met him maybe a year or two before that when he would uh, be a guest on the Joe Franklin show. That's a neat story. All right, second question I have for you. Frank, when you negotiated your contract, do you use an agent? And the second thing is, does your compensation change as the Frank Morano radio network is blossoming and growing? Well, uh, good question, Igor. Uh, The first question is, no, I did not use an agent. I actually took a uh, pretty significant pay cut in order to work here initially. Now, I did get a a subsequent raise after that. My um, compensation does not change as the network grows. And I think I got to be careful because I think I am prohibited from talking about this. But I I can say this, that um, the more ads that we have on this show, my compensation does grow 
with that as a percentage. Not much, not much, uh, but it grows with the number of ads that we have. And then in, in theory, the more stations we're on, the more advertisers we we have. That And then my compensation can grow along those lines. All right, 800-848-9222. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Hey, Frank. Uh, my question is going to change. Uh, with all those baseball questions that God, I was thinking that in the early 90s, I was having dinner at a table with Ed Crane Paul and a guy from the Giants who won the Super Bowl. He had a ring on, Frank, that was so huge because his hand was so damn huge. He had the Super Bowl ring on. I was wondering, Frank, I mean, you're the head honcho there. You're the big shot of the radio station. Do you think Johnny Katz would ever get you a ring like that? Well, I, I think if we win the uh, if we win the championship, if we win a couple of Marconi awards, maybe. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. Hey, who was that Giants player at that dinner? Do you remember? It was 30 years ago. I don't remember his name. I could never forget Ed Cranepool. I mean, uh, I naturally, naturally. I, I don't know who he was. He was uh, the head, high, Frank. His hand was bigger than my, I wear a 14 foot. I have a 14 foot, and his hand was bigger than my foot. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. That's and the ring, that's great. That's something, Neil. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I'm not big into rings. You know, I wear a wedding ring. That's about it. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. Hi, Frank. All right. So, uh, if uh, Spider Man and Spider Girl conceived, do you uh, how do you think the offspring would look? And do you think she would give birth like a human or lay an egg sac like a spider? You know, I don't know much about Spider-Girl, but is she basically just like Spider-Man? Yeah, basically. Yeah, did she acquire her powers through a, a, a bite from a radioactive spider? Um, to be 100% honest, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if anybody else there knows, but, uh, but yeah, as well, far as I know, she's... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I am... Um, I uh, Yeah, I'm looking into Spider-Girl now, because she was not... She was not Around when I was a child, so I'm looking looking into her now. I would guess that if they had uh, children, it would be sort of a conventional birth, not like a spider birth. Because if you look at, sorry, the microphone keeps falling. If you look at the um, powers that Spider Man has, he doesn't. You know, basically, he can do what a Spider Man can. He can climb walls and do things of that nature. Other than that, he's pretty much like a human. So I um, I think it would be like a human birth. That's my best guess. 800-848-9222-123 open lines. If you want to come up with a great question in the next 10 minutes, now's the time. Mike is in Woodside. Hello, Mike. Hey, Frank. Uh, the idea I have is, is this. What about a class action lawsuit? to force the government to act on all these issues, whether it be AM radio or the migrants at the border, the law is not being enforced, or lastly, you know, all the monitoring that's going on by these agencies that, that came out of the Durham report and all the other reports. All that's needed is a couple of AGs, attorney generals in different states to come forward and sign on. All you need to do is get class action filed versus government because that's how they stopped big tobacco you got to remember it was not the federal government that went after big tobacco it was a bunch of state ags that came out so what's preventing us from doing that getting together finding a couple of guys like let's say uh sean reyes who's the ag in utah he's, he's I, I say go for it mike go for it yeah 
And and that's something that, that, you know, maybe WABC can get behind to get people to sign on to because if you could use the power of radio to reach out and get people to sign on to it, then you can get a class action thing going and force government through a process known as mandamus, which is forcing the court. You know, yeah, I, I say go for it, Mike. I want to try and get to some other people as well. But, yeah, go for it. If you think you have standing, then more power to you. Amir is in Boston. Hello, Amir. Two days ago, my sister called me. She goes, did you go and gamble? I said, yes. She goes, well, why don't you tell me? I go, well, I'm telling you right now. She goes, but you lied by omission. What? I, go, I said, well, you asked me if I gambled, and I said, yes, and I regret it. She goes, but you didn't tell me that's called lie by omission. She's an attorney. She right or wrong? I think she's wrong. I mean, do you have the kind of relationship with her where it's assumed you're going to tell her about every financial transaction you have? No, no, absolutely not. It's uh, you did not lie. Uh, you did not lie yes. at all. If you, I feel redeemed. If Thank you, you. If you asked her a question, and thanks, Amir, and and I'm glad to hear that. If you if she asked you a question and you answered honestly, you told the truth. You didn't take any steps to conceal anything that you did. There's no assumption that you're going to tell her everything that you do. No. You absolutely didn't lie. One, two, three, four open lines. We're going to get to as many calls as we can in the next six minutes. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Suffolk. Hello, Robert. Hiya, Frank. Uh, can you use ChatGPT to scrub the Internet for email addresses of, well, let's say categories of people, like uh, all politicians or all law enforcement officials in the well, United States? Well, and, well That can interface with an email program or an email website like MSN, Gmail, et cetera, to send emails and mass. Robert, I'm not not clear on what you're asking. So can you use ChatGPT to get every email address from a a politician in the United States? Yeah, or law enforcement official, et cetera, and be able to get that – in a form that you can put it in, the chat GPT will put it in the send to line so that you can send mass emails to all officials in a category. All right. So um, I just tried with chat GPT and it says, I'm sorry, but I can't provide you with email addresses of every member. Oh, oh wait, wait, I missed. Let me let me try and rephrase the question here and see what it says. Okay. I mean, the form is easy. You could just put the form into constant contact, um, you know, and, and do do it that way. But here, uh, all right, can you give me the email? I apologize for misunderstanding, but I don't have access to personal email addresses for members of Congress or any other individuals. My purpose is to provide information and answer questions. To the best of my knowledge and abilities, it would be inappropriate and against privacy regulations to share personal contact information without consent. If you need to contact a specific member of Congress, I recommend visiting their official website where you can find their contact information, including email addresses. So I guess the answer is no. 800-848-9222. Let me see who's been holding the longest. Howard is in Elmhurst. Hello, Howard. Hi. I was accused of having my radio on, but it's only my speaker. All right, Howard, what's Uh, your question? The question is, um, can if we have a new presidency... Can he send them back to their original country? Yes. Or an island like Lesbos or, you know, some... Yes, he can deport. Absolutely. He can deport. Um, he can absolutely deport anyone that's not in the country legally. 
There was an unapologetic old soldier named Ike that chose to deport a lot of illegal immigrants that were in the border states. They called this, and it's not a PC term now, but they called this Operation Wetback. It absolutely can be done. Now, the question is, will any president, including Trump, do it? I don't know that anybody is going to deport everybody because a lot of the Republican donors in this country are dependent on the cheap labor that those illegal immigrants bring. And a lot of the social conservatives in this country are loving the fact that Catholic masses are being attended by people. And a lot of those people happen to be illegal immigrants. So um, he'd have to confront the political reality and the economic reality to do it. But yes, legally, absolutely. 800-848-9222. Russell is in North Carolina. Hello, Russell. Hey, Frank. Hey, look, man. Getting to baseball, right? Uh, Scherzer and Verlin combined are making like $86 million Sure. Right? The, the two best, wow, my Orioles are tied for second best record, but records in baseball are the, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Orioles, who are actually 28th and 29th in payroll. Right. So do you think maybe teams should focus more on developing talent rather than trying to buy? Like the Mets seem to be trying to buy a World Series. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's fair, that Russell. I think that's fair, Russell. And sometimes it does work. You remember the Florida Marlins in either 1995 or 1996. They bought that World Series by getting the best price-free agents that were available. I think what the Tampa Bay Rays have done this year is fascinating. Not just this year, the last three years. They are among the best teams in baseball for the last three years, and yet they're among the lowest in payroll over the last three years. And I think the way they've done this should be a model for every team. They look, if you look at their trades, it's not just homegrown talent, which is big. But if you look at their trades that they've made, they've made trades where they've fleeced every other team that they've been involved with. The Tampa Bay Rays model has been um, incredibly successful for them. And I think more teams could use that. But I don't think that means that if you spend a lot of money for the best players that are available, that you're that that doesn't work. I mean, it certainly has worked to the, for the Dodgers to some extent. And I think it may work for the Mets this year. And it did work for the Marlins in the 1990s. So I think sometimes it does work. Sometimes it does not. 800-848-9222. Tracy in Brooklyn. Very quickly, Tracy. Yeah, Frank, uh, I know you're not a car guy, but what would be your choice of a classic car? Yeah, you know, my uncle had a, uh, a, a Chevelle, a 1967 Chevelle, which was a beautiful car. And he would take me for rides in that car once in a while. That was a beautiful car. Best car I ever had was a, a Ford Taurus. Nothing special about it. I just loved it. Loved that it would take a, a licking and keep on ticking. All right, best uh, best question, Matt Place. John in Eastchester, your all-star Major League Baseball team. John in Eastchester, call back, 800-848-9222. Get yourself a prize. And uh, we got a lot of stuff, fun stuff coming up. Debbie Schlussel, Marlena Schlivo, and more. Keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano.
In the immortal words of that philosopher, Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Here we are. This is The Other Side of Midnight. A uh, lot of stuff I want to get to. Uh, let me begin with um, the fact that a, a friend of mine who I met when he was on trial for six murders, Tommy Gioli, is now out of prison. Very happy to hear that. And, uh, by the way, acquitted of all six murders, by the way. Thank you very much. That's pretty good. You know, it's funny. Tommy used to tell me that when he was in um, in jail, on trial, and then after his after his verdict, and he was acquitted of all six six murders. Uh, all the guys in the prison would say to him, or the jail would say to him, "Well, well how do you do that?" And, and he had a court appointed attorney. It was not as if he had this high priced, um, high priced shark skin attorney. And all the guys in the prison would say, "How do you do that? How do you get acquitted of all these murder charges?" And Tommy would tell them, "Well, you got to start by not being guilty." That's a good way to do it. So in any event, he's out of prison now, and he's been in prison for uh, the better part. And I'm hoping to do an interview with him maybe in the next week or two on an upcoming edition of the Racket Report. We'll get to that. I'll explain to you if and when that occurs. But um, he was in prison for 12 years. Now, his wife, Maureen, who I, I also have met a bunch of times, great lady, she stayed with him for all 12 years. And he called me recently. He's home. I think, you know, he's on probation now. I don't know the exact rules of his release, but he's on probation. And um, I'm talking to him and everything, making plans for all sorts of different things. And my wife said to me, she's kind of catching up because she knows that I know him. She knows a little bit about the case, but she hasn't followed it like I followed it. She says, how long was he in prison? She says, 12 years. And she said his wife stayed with him all 12 years. And I said, absolutely. And I said, she's a model wife, a very good wife. She said, you would want me to stay with you for 12 years while you're in prison? I said, absolutely, I would. I said, uh, and then we've discussed this before. And she had previously said, not in this particular conversation, but she had previously said that uh, she would stay with me if I went to prison, depending upon the nature of my conviction. So if I went to prison for a very violent crime, for instance, then maybe she couldn't. But if it was just a normal run-of-the-mill crime, she could manage to stay with me. And it got me thinking, because I know a lot of other fellows who, once they went to prison, their wives, who in many cases were very devoted to them, couldn't stay with them. My friend Andrew McKenna, who's been on this program before, the former attorney turned federal prisoner, he, his wife stayed with him. And I give her a lot of credit for that. Now, my friend Frank, not happening. His wife left him. My other friend, Dom, went to prison twice. His wife, at the time that he went to prison the first time, left him. His wife, when he went to prison the second time, his current wife, she stayed with him. She stayed with him. My friend Rich, another attorney who has gone to prison, his, I'm not sure, yeah, it was his wife. His wife left him, got arrested, and she left him. And I think she even sued him after that. Usually that's how it goes. If you end up in prison, and look, who can blame the person? Who wants to spend 10 to 12 years without any sort of companionship? And I'm not just talking about 
um, any, uh, sexual companionship, which I think does count for something. But I'm talking about just companionship, visiting your parents or uh, going for a walk. I mean, to do all that on your own, it's very challenging. It's very challenging. So my question for you is, have you ever had a partner that has gone to prison? And what did you do? Did you stay with that person or did you leave that person? And why? Eight hundred eight four and no judgment either way. This is a judgment free zone. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. If you have not had a husband or a wife that has gone to prison and not had to face this, what do you think you would do? Let's say your husband or your wife, and I know this may depend on your age, if you're twenty five and you're looking to have children, maybe you're in a different situation than if you're 80 and you already have children and grandchildren. But let's say you're as you are now, in the relationship status you are now, and your husband, your wife, your partner, your fiancé, whatever the case may be, your romantic partner gets sent to prison, what would you do? Would you stay married to them? Would you stay devoted to them? Or would you leave them? Or would there be some sort of a middle ground while that person's incarcerated? Would you, um, I don't know how to put it delicately, would you cheat on them with other people while they were incarcerated? Because, after all, you didn't take a, a vow to become a nun or a priest and be celibate. You're human. You have needs. What would you do? 800-848-9222, that is the question. A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. I, um, I'd like to think I would stay with my wife. And, it, I mean, again, if she's sentenced to prison for 40 or 50 years, am I really going to remain celibate for 40 or 50 years? I don't know. But I would like to think... That, I mean, assuming, I'm assuming if my wife goes to prison, somehow it's related to something that I've done. I'm assuming it's somehow she's gotten roped into a conspiracy, like she she signed a tax return that I filed and I claimed a deduction that I shouldn't have claimed or something along those lines. So especially if she ends up in prison as a result of something that I've done, then I am absolutely planning on being married to her. But, uh, you know, I'm being honest here. If I'm facing a half a century of celibacy, now what's she going to do for a half a century? Maybe a drug charge, maybe a murder. Then I don't know. I don't know what how I would react to that. I, I think we'd have to figure that out. And that's basically what she said to me, that we'd have to kind of take that situation as it came and figure out what the what the story is. Now, you may remember the um, the movie, The Little Mermaid. And what is that big famous song in The Little Mermaid? It's uh, Sebastian, that uh, lobster or crab. I don't know if he's a lobster or crab. Do you know? Is he a lobster? Crab, Matt plays? Crab. Crab, okay. He looks more like a lobster, but okay. I don't want to be a crustaceanist. And he sings that song, and I remember from seeing this in theaters over 31 years ago. He sings that song, Under the sea, da-da-da-da-da, Under the sea, ba-ba-ba-ba. So 
down where it's wetter, here where it's better, take it from me, you know. And now a university professor broke a record for the longest time living underwater without depressurization this weekend at a Florida Keys Lodge for scuba divers. Joseph Dutori, he's still under the sea. His 74th day residing in Jules's undersea lodge, situated at the bottom of a 30-foot deep lagoon in Key Largo, wasn't much different than his previous days there since he submerged March 1st. Dutori, who also goes by the moniker uh, D- Dr. Deep Sea, ate a protein-heavy meal of eggs and salmon prepared using a microwave oven, exercised with resistance bands, did his daily push-ups, and took an hour-long nap. Unlike a submarine, the lodge does not use technology to adjust for the increased underwater pressure. So Duturi isn't just settling for the record and resurfacing. He plans to stay at the lodge until June 9th when he reaches 100 days and completes an underwater mission dubbed Project Neptune 100. This mission combines medical and ocean research along with educational outreach. Apparently, um, they want to see what this does to your body to live under the sea for 100 days. Here was Dr. Joseph Dutori, a.k.a. Dr. Deep Sea, on Newsmax uh, talking about some of the effects of living underwater for two months. Actually, the interesting part is, uh, so we're doing sleep journaling, diary, I do a sleep aura ring, uh, and what it shows is that I have an increase in both deep and REM sleep, which are the restorative sleep cycles, increased to about 66% deep and REM. So while I'm getting shorter sleep down here, I'm getting better sleep and I need less. So it's actually quite terrific. There are so many restorative benefits and there's while the mission is about discovery, there are a lot of second-order practical applications, if you will. And um, we'll see where this goes. I would not want to do that at all. <laughs> I mean, I'll take my chances in prison. And he was asked uh, about um, what he really misses about living on the surface. And he says what he really misses is seeing the sun, which I can understand. So I'm eager to see how this research turns out. But... Uh, I'm asking the question, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. If you're in a relationship and your partner, husband, wife, fiancé, serious boyfriend, serious girlfriend, goes to prison, are you staying with them? And would you want your partner to stay with you? 800-848-9222. Let me begin. And if, if you've ever... If this has ever happened to you, I'd like to know what you did. And we're not going to judge you. I just want to know what happened and why you did what you did. 800-848-9222-1234567 open lines. Let me begin with Mike in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, Mike. Uh, All right. So if if my partner was to go to jail, uh, if I had a kid with her, I would stay with her. Uh, if I were to go, and also it would depend on the nature of a crime, if you try to kill me, that, that would change that. Well, naturally, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, 
So if I were to go to jail for a long time, I would tell her to go live her life and be happy. Because well, I wouldn't want to hold her back. That's what my friend Dom told his his wife that ended up leaving him. What's a long time? Is a long time two years? Is a long time 20 years? Uh, let's see. They're both a long time, but I think if you have a kid with somebody, you should be able to wait two years if, uh, you know, 20 years is a right. lot to ask with somebody. Right. I think max five years, you know. I think uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. I think that's right. If you have a child with someone, thank you, Mike. And in the case of the Giolis, they have um, they have uh, three, three, three beautiful, three, four, four beautiful girls um, and grandchildren. So they built a whole life together. So I completely understand why Maureen would wait 12 years. But um, two years, I don't think is too much to ask if you have a child with someone. 20 years, I think it is maybe a little too much to ask of someone to remain celibate. What if you tell them, okay, you know, if you want to remain married, that's great, but what I don't know doesn't hurt me. If you need to go out there and do your own thing, so be it. Go ahead. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Jack is in Albertson. Hello, Jack. Hi. Good evening, Frank. Uh, So I, I think for me it comes down to a financial. If my wife is going to jail and I'm the breadwinner, I'm going to I'm going to stay faithful and loyal to her and stay married. If it were me and she's got to figure out a way to make a, to replace the income and live her life, I'm going to tell her she should dump me and go find somebody else because uh you know, if you did something it's not really fair to your spouse to keep like that, but for me, I I I'd stand by my wife cuz I I'd have a way to support myself. I think that's very reasonable, and I think that's very mature, Jack. Um, that makes it makes sense to me. Thank you. I, I think that, that strikes me as very credible as well. Matt Blaze, what are you doing? I know you're not married, but you have a longtime uh, companion there. What are you doing if one of if, if she goes to prison? I think you had it right. If, if it's a long time, anything over five years, over five years, that's yeah, your barometer. I would say that's 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 about right. Because anything over that, under that, I think the person can wait for you if they really love you. If they don't then they're not going to wait around. And it really gives you, it really gives you an appreciation for this Maureen Gioli, you know, for sticking around 12 years. Yeah, that's a long time. For her husband. But they you have know, kids together. And, and grandchildren. Life. That's true. That's true. And she's very devoted to him. She would go visit him in prison. And, there, you know, there's a very good film with uh, Jack Black. Um, it's called The Polka King. And I actually, it's about a guy named Jan Levon. It, and I actually interviewed the real Jan Levon, and he's a real character. Maybe we'll have him on this show one of these days. And he went to prison basically for trying to, uh, for a bunch of things, but trying to rig a beauty pageant for his wife, which he did su- successfully. And ultimately, his wife, he and his wife stayed friends, but she left him when he went to prison. And all I could think in that case was, what a bummer. Here, this guy goes to prison. He did other things, don't get me wrong. It's it's worth seeing. It's a good film, and I'd say it's about eighty percent accurate, which is rare for a uh, a comedy, especially. But he goes to prison for his wife. I mean, she didn't force him to commit the crime, but he did it for her. Goes to prison for his wife, and then she leaves him. You talk about a real kick in the nether regions. That's one. All right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Have you ever been with someone that has gone to prison? What have you done? How have you handled it? We'll take your calls in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. about prison and whether you would stay with your partner if that person went to prison. I think it's very admirable if you do, but I also would completely understand if you didn't. I I totally get it both ways. So uh, that's that. Now, uh, there we've talked a little bit about egg prices over the years. We've talked, not over the years, over the last, I don't know, 10 months. And we've talked a bit about um, some other things that have gone up over in price, including oil. And a lot of people have talked about the reason that petroleum has gone up in price. One of the things that we have not talked about was the price of olive oil. But sure enough, right now we are seeing a huge olive oil price surge. Drought and heat waves in the Mediterranean have driven up prices of olive oil to their highest level in 26 years. $6,000 per metric ton. I'll tell you, you remember Lloyd Bridges in the movie Airplane. I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Starbucks has picked the wrong year to start infusing their coffee with olive oil. And I wonder if this is going to be a matter of time before it affects other products, like avocado oil or whatever else, coconut oil. But I think that um, this is a real cause for concern. I love olive oil. And it is a staple in our household. But think about that, $6,000 per metric ton. You know, recently President Biden announced that they're going to start replenishing the strategic petroleum reserve that they were tapping into when – Petroleum prices were at a record high. Are we at the point as a country where we need a strategic olive oil reserve? I don't have an answer to that, but I do have that very question. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Yeah, Frank. I I would say let's put a caveat in, in this scenario Say the the wife is in prison, and then uh, you're not 
proactively seeking someone, but you have somebody you know at work or at the gym that's available, single, and really likes you, and there's a good uh, repertoire there. Uh, Don't you think that's a caveat that makes the thing a little bit more like, what will I do now? Well, when you say a caveat, what do you mean a caveat? Uh, No, meaning there's, you know, that just happens to be someone else you really like, right? Right at your doorstep, practically through you know circumstance. Well, I mean, usually that's how it goes. I mean, again, I think most people that um, end up um, fooling around on their partner, they do it in part because of some level of dissatisfaction in their relationship, but in large part because of circumstances like the ones you're d- describing. I'm assuming that if you have a husband or a wife in prison that you're going to have some sort of circumstance where the opportunity to be intimate with someone else presents itself. So I'm right. assuming, yeah, so, so I think you would have that opportunity. Right, right. So that, you know, someone could say, I'm not going to proactively to seek this, but what if it falls into your lap, then what do you do? Right. Well, I think it's still the same question, Joe. Thank you. I, and I think... You know, when you pose when I pose the question, I wasn't thinking necessarily that people would be going out there on dating services. And what's that dating app? Was it Tinder going out there on Tinder and trying to meet people proactively? I think it's more like what you described. You have a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, and you see them every day. There's some level of mutual attraction there. And then that person knows that your husband or your wife is in prison for a long time. And then you are lonely. And it happens. It happens. You know, um, well, no, I don't want to get into a whole uh, infidelity discussion because that, that opens up a whole different a whole different can of worms. But I think that um, it's very understandable. Whatever, however you would handle this, I think is very understandable. I think a lot depends on how long someone's going away for and a lot of other factors, which is why I raised the question, because I was curious if anybody in our audience has actually been in this uh, position. Uh, President Obama did an interview on CBS this morning, and he said some interesting things. He was talking about the role of the media in dividing us, and he was talking about how America is sort of grappling with different realities. And he did this interview with CBS News about what worries him most in America today. And uh, I want to play for you what he said, and then I want you to respond to it. And I want you to respond to it not by saying, oh, I love Obama. I think what he said is great. I want you to respond to it not by saying, oh, I can't stand Obama. I think everything he says is horrible. I want you to forget the person saying this and listen to his words and tell me what you agree or disagree with. Listen to this. The thing that I'm most worried about is the degree to which we have now have a divided conversation in part because we have a divided media, right? So I'm much older than you, Nate. You don't look it, though. That's what I was fishing for. (laughs) Um, 
But when I was coming up, you had three TV stations. Yeah. And people were getting a, a similar sense of what is true and what isn't, what was real and what was not. Today, what I'm most concerned about is the fact that because of the splintering of the media, we almost occupy different realities. If something happens, in the past, everybody could say, all right, we may disagree on how to solve it, but at least we all agree that, yeah, that's an issue. Now, people will say, well, that didn't happen, hmm. or I don't believe that. And one of, I think, the goals of the Obama Foundation and, and one of the goals of my post-presidency is how do we return to that common conversation? How, how can we have a common set of facts? Let me tell you something. I agree with every word he said there. I mean, not with the Obama Foundation or whatever he's doing now. Forget about that. What he put his finger on is a huge part of the problem in this country. I think it's great that you can watch whatever you want. I'm a believer in choice. I'm a believer in more voices and more choices. But, and I never, um, you know, and I never voted for President Obama. And if he ran again, I wouldn't vote for him. But what he said there is 100% right on the money. We have a situation where, while it was unfortunate that back in the day you only had three channels, everyone came to work the next day and they'd all seen Ed Sullivan on television. They'd all seen MASH. They all watched Walter Cronkite. Now, it's not unusual for me to go to the water cooler and someone's going on and on about this show that they just binge watch, that they love. It's their favorite show. Not only is it a show that I've never seen, it's a show that I've never heard of. So the point being, we are in a place where the media environment is so splintered, there's no common frame of reference. We're now in a position where people don't even agree that the sky is blue. People don't even agree that two plus two is four. And I don't think this is a conservative thing or a liberal thing, because we're now in an era where it's possible for whatever your Whatever your political persuasion is, whatever your interests are, if you want to do nothing but watch reality television all day, you can do that. You can bury yourself in a reality television mentality. If you want to do um, nothing but consume conservative media all day, you can do that. If you want to do nothing but consume liberal media all day, you can do that. And I think that is so dangerous because as Obama said there, and I was glad that he said it, um, and I've said this before, but I, obviously I don't have the credibility of a former president. But we're in a place where people can disagree on the best approach to a, a, a situation. For instance, a lot of people were calling in our first hour about how to handle the migrant situation. And I think that's fine. I think that's great. But you can't deny that the migrant situation exists. You know, the, the same thing with UFOs. We talk about UFOs on this program a great deal, and we, we will in a minute. But there are some people out there that just completely deny that there are even UFOs. Now, how do you even have a conversation about how to handle a situation if people aren't even acknowledging that it's occurring? Someone else who made some uh, very interesting remarks on this front is uh, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, who is uh, 77 WABC years old, just released her first rock song, World on Fire, even though uh, she's already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Go, go figure. 
Apparently, you don't need to be a rock and roll performer to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I guess she was guilty enough. She felt, all right, they put me in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm tired of working nine to five. Let me at least come up with a rock and roll song. So she made this song, World on Fire, and she's had enough of today's politicians slamming legislators on both sides of the aisle. She performed the song for the first time while co-hosting the ACM Awards last week. And she was asked, I haven't heard the song yet, but when she was asked what politicians she was referring to in the song, she stated all of them, any of them. Here was Dolly Parton on the Today Show talking about this. What politicians are you talking about? All of them. Any of them. I don't think any of them are trying hard enough. I'm sure we're all trying, but I just really think that uh, I think often that they worry more about the party than they do about the people. If we just do what we felt was the right thing rather than who's going to lose or who's going to win this or who's going to look better if they do this rather than working from the heart. I think she's exactly right there. I mean, I'm not necessarily so dismissive of every politician. I think there are a lot of people working hard. But I think there's this mentality in the political arena these days where I want to move the ball forward for my party, my ideology, and myself and not necessarily do the right thing. And you can understand it because a lot of the politicians that end up doing the right thing at the expense of what their party wants, they pay the political price for that. There's nobody that rewards independent thinking, really. Look at who's in danger every year. It's always the people that are willing to be independent, either, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean centrist because you can be independent and still be conservative or liberal. But look at who's in trouble next year, right? Who are the who are the incumbents that are the two most endangered senators next year? One, I think you'd have to say is Joe Manchin. Another one you'd have to say is Kirsten Cinema. But even beyond that, let's look at what members of Congress are going to be targeted in next year. One is Josh Gottheimer. Another is um, uh, Andrew Garbarino. Another is Nicola Loda. And these are people that are willing to work with the other party, to their credit. And their reward for that is they're the first ones targeted. They'd be much better off electorally just playing to the cheap seats. And to their credit, they don't. And uh, I like what Dolly Parton said there. So I'm looking forward to hearing that song and seeing seeing uh, if it resonates with me. All right, uh, Tommy is in Staten Island. Uh, Tommy, talk to me about uh, going to prison and having a wife. I didn't have a lot of prison. I was engaged. I was in the process of court, and I was looking at substantial time. And I told my fiancé if I was convicted to move on, to go on with our life. So what happened? What happened? What happened with your case? Well, I got I got a, a light sentence, and then we broke up. After the sentence, or yeah, I think, yeah, we moved on. I I I got my I had a good lawyer. All right. Well, that's nice of you, and that's nice of you that you were you basically gave her your blessing to move on with yeah. her life. But it sounds like maybe it wasn't meant to be anyway. No, it, it was. I don't know. I it was. The lifestyle. Her lifestyle or yours? No, mine. I was mixed up my lifestyle. I was, you know, street kid, great kill street kid. I get it. I get it, brother. All right. Well, I'm glad you're doing well now. I'm uh, grateful to have you as a listener. I appreciate the perspective there, Tommy. 
Okay. Bye. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Pamela is in New Jersey. Hello, Pamela. Uh, Gamaro. I remember that finally. But, um, you know, there was something satisfying about the 60s and the 70s and somewhat a little bit of the 80s, uh, where I was a mere child in the 60s. Uh, we were all, even though the world was not very calm, <laughs> the world was in turmoil. However, we were all on the same channel. And there was a calming effect uh, with that. At least, you know, like we went out in the morning, like everybody had the same kind of mainstream thoughts. And and when I was six and seven, everybody cleared the streets when Batman came on. And there was like a unity, like, oh, yeah, did you see the episode last night? And like you said, today... It's like, huh? I don't even and, – and I was always a Hollywood buff, you know, from the, you know, the turn of the century on. I don't even know these people anymore. I don't know, and a lot of us don't have cable. We refuse to pay the prices. And who can watch I, – I can only watch so much television per day. i got right. things to do. Right, And, and I, I can't keep up with all of this. And, and there's – it's a very stress-producing life. And people are like – I think they're more couch potatoes than ever. They sit in front of that TV. I see everybody getting Grubhub and food delivered, and past the pandemic. I can understand the pandemic, but people are still doing that. You don't see kids playing in the street. I don't see any kids playing baseball or, or anything, you know, maybe in the parks and everything, uh, organized sports and everything. But as far as just playing outside, like, where are they? It's like Village of the Dam. Like, everybody is like – and everybody you, – you ask somebody, like, a topic, and they're like, oh, really, that happened? Uh, oh, I, they're like automatons. And and it's like there was a, a sense of unity, like you said, back in the day, some kind of sense of unity and um, of, of main thought. And it was very relaxing and very calming. And it can only be appreciated. You know, I was just talking about that to a girlfriend yesterday. There was something satisfying, you know, talking to her. She can relate to the calmness of uh, we graduated together. Of the 70s. And who would have thought we would say the 60s and the 70s were, were calming? I mean, they were hectic, too, the Vietnam War sure. and all the after effects and, and Watergate and everything. But yet it was calming. We didn't have to worry about cyber attacks. And, you know, you had a basic checkbook and a basic this, and things, things were easier. Things were simple. Now, today, I, I know things are more stressful now. Well, I, I know I, I don't think you'd get an argument from anybody and well said on all that, Pamela. I don't think you'd get an argument from anybody on what you just said. Let me ask you this, though, Pamela. And, and I agree with uh, just about everything you said, because it's one of the real reasons that I don't get uh, TiVo or DVR, because a lot of times people mention a show and I'll say, oh, no, I wasn't home for it or I'm not available to watch it at the time. And everyone will say, well, why don't you just get TiVo and you could just TiVo the show that you want to watch and then watch it whenever you want to watch. And my answer is the same because there's too many shows on there and I'd be sitting in front of the television set all day, spending all my free time rushing to catch up on all these shows that I've recorded. And I don't have the time to do that. But let me ask you this, Pamela. I don't. I think most people would say the fact that there are more media choices these days is a net positive in that, you know, you're not beholden to what just, say, the mainstream media wants to, wants to preach to you. What do you think the solution is so you don't have all these different people living in their different silos? 
Yeah, that's that's a tough one. And, you know, I grew up with a dad who was a, a mechanic and he was very smart. And we were like the first one to get like a calculating computer. Um, you, you know, they called them computers back then. And, um, you know, the first one to get like, a, oh, oh, the electric typewriter and this and that. And my dad would have like tape recording sessions. We would pretend we were radio people and everything. My dad was super into technology. And I, you know, I love technology and I love all the, the different, uh, you know, the documentaries. And sometimes, you know, you mention a documentary and I'm like, oh, dying to see it, but I don't have it, you know. <laughs> and it's sure. like, oh, And I, I do, you know, appreciate that. I do like that. But I, I think we have to, um, you know, and you can't reverse technology. And, um, you know, we were when cable came out in the 80s, we were like the first ones to get it. And I remember watching Chainsaw uh, Massacre with because oh, I love sure. horror shows. Yeah, and and I, it was like, cool. We were all talking about it on the street. And it was sort of a little bit. And then everything started to splinter, you know, with all this stuff. And, okay, to answer your question, I, I'm, I think, like you, I, I, I have to turn it off sometimes. And I, I talk to the young people on the street. And um, I, I try to, like, uh, communicate like a, a mainstream with them. Like, uh, for instance, working right now, I, I talked to a young person on the street. I said, um, now's the time for opportunity. You know, with, when the world is falling apart, and I can see the young people, they're depressed. I said, now's the time to go out and be an apprentice and go out there and get one of those jobs in the trade. Uh, you're young. Now's the time to do it. And um, I garden a lot, and they're interested in that. And I said, well, why don't you do a garden and everything? I try to encourage them to get into, like, a mainstream, something uh, real, you know, gardening, you know, uh, reality. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I think part of it, too, is turning it off. Like, you have Saturday, you know, turn off the phone and everything. I, I think part of it is that. That's the first step. Take Put away technology for a while. And maybe, you know, like you mentioned, certain documentaries and everything, it, you know, it's actually a shame that we all can't watch a documentary together. You know, Channel 13 used to, you know, have the Civil War things, and right. they still have certain things on. And um, it, it, there was a camaraderie in that. And there, there is, you know, it's tough because some of us, we, I was just talking to my girlfriend. She said she got rid of cable. She just didn't want to pay that price Oh, anymore. no, I know a lot of people uh, that, that have done the same thing. Pamela, thank you for the call. You know, one of the things that, and I have no idea what the answer to my question is about what we can do, given the fact that there is so much fragmentation and polarization in the current climate and in the current media climate. I don't know what we can do to make sure that people are relating to one another and making sure that we get out of our bubble. But I'll tell you what I try to do. And I make an effort to find people that disagree with me and that I disagree with. And I make an effort to listen to them and to read them and to read media outlets that don't have editorial, um, that don't jive editorially. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that sometimes I go to this website, ground.news, and I bring to your attention the blind spots, the story that the left-wing outlets are not reporting on and the stories that the right-wing outlets are not reporting on. For instance, uh, there's a story right now of uh, Justice Gorsuch slamming pandemic emergency power as, in, as an intrusion on civil liberties. Nobody on the left has read that story. There's another story about an FBI, the FBI visiting the home of a pro-life activist's mother 
an act that she says was meant to intimidate, but she refused to back down. No one on the left has read that story. On the right, no one has read the story about the ACLU filing a lawsuit against the Texas bill banning gender-affirming care for minors. No one on the right has read the story about rights groups documenting abuses since the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. No one on the right has read the story about California lawmakers blocking a bill allowing people to sue oil companies over health problems. And I'm not saying, you know, what opinion people should take on any of these stories, but at least you should know what your fellow Americans are reading. That's my view. Because at least you know how to relate to them. And look, I don't want to sound like I'm the be-all and end-all of um, of media consumption because all the time I come across something that someone will mention. My sister is much younger than me, and so she has very different sensibilities and much different interests in terms of pop culture than I might. And every t- every time I see her, it seems, she'll mention some musician or some uh, social media influencer or some model that is apparently a huge celebrity, and it's someone that I've never heard of. So I'm just as much in a bubble in spite of my own attempts to get out of that bubble as anybody else's. So I'm not holding myself up as a model by any means, but um, certainly no, heaven knows I don't have the, the physique for it. But I do think at least if you make an effort, getting exposure to different news stories, you know, it drives me crazy. For instance, when I'll have someone on this show who's well known for a certain thing, being controversial or or ha- having certain opinions or being being conservative. And it drives me crazy when people will say, oh, you're having so and so on. Well, I'm not going to listen. Thanks for letting me know. And I'm just thinking to myself, how ignorant is that? You're not even interested in hearing what that person has to say. Because it may differ and may challenge your opinions on a certain situation. Well, why don't you listen to what that person says and see if you disagree? Right. Uh, but um, I don't know. 800-848-9222. By the way, uh, it was an interesting story. Speaking of UFOs a moment ago uh, where I was talking about there are some people out there that don't even acknowledge the existence of UFOs. Fascinating story out of um where an ex-U.S. Air Force captain says that a UFO attacked a nuclear missile base and actually damaged the weapons. So this was very, very interesting. According to reports, there's been a a retired U.S. Air Force captain, Robert Salas, has shared his experience of spotting a UFO Um, on the show, National Geographic's UFOs Investigating the Unknown. And we're going to try and get him on this show as well. But the former U.S. Air Force captain revealed how a UFO attacked his nuclear missile station. He revealed that 10 nuclear missiles, again, this is an Air Force captain. It's not some drunken um, schlub taking LSD that has two teeth. He revealed that 10 nuclear missiles were kept in a subterranean bunker when reddish-orange lights were seen moving towards them. He also added that they had deactivated all the missiles and the guards had to escape from the location to protect themselves. He further stated that he got a call from one of the members of his unit, and he said, I sort of disregarded it. In fact, I asked, you mean like UFOs? About five minutes later, he phones back screaming. He felt that he was sure by then they were being attacked. 
And when the lights changed from green to red throughout the board, it was clear that the missiles were no longer functional. And he added that despite the fact that most of the nuclear missiles were damaged during the incident, no official inquiry was opened on the matter. He also revealed that chiefs in his unit were compelled to sign contracts stating that they would maintain confidentiality regarding the matter. However, after three years, the U.S. government officially closed the investigation, stating that the documented sightings of the UFO had not caused any threat or damage. You know, it reminded me, I came across this today. Somebody might have sent it to me. If they did, thank you. But I came across this clip from, not sure when it was exactly, of the Beatle, John Lennon. I think this was the early 70s, describing seeing a UFO in New York City. Listen to this. And and again, this is one of those things where you're, because it's only audio, you're not seeing the direction that he's pointing and that kind of thing. But listen to this. This is John Lennon talking to a reporter. Over yeah. here, up there, I saw a UFO, and it went down the river, turned right at the United Nations, <laughs> turned left, and then down the river. It wasn't a helicopter, it wasn't a balloon, and it was so near. And you look what, sort of uh, round, just, white, just innocent, like, and silent. Uh, silent and it looked dark like black or gray in the middle and had white lights just looked like light bulbs you know just going off on off on off on blink 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 around the bottom and on top was a red light so i thought that was pretty interesting all right 800-848-9222 we'll continue with your calls in a moment we got denunciations coming up we got marlena shivo coming up we got debbie schlussel coming up we're loaded for bear this morning on the other side of midnight straight ahead the other side of midnight The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. a minute ago about these lying politicians. It's called World on Fire. First time I'm hearing it. I think it's pretty good. Remind people a week from tomorrow, a week from Saturday, May 27th, I am going to be at a rally in Kingston, New York, with Gerald Salente, with Judge Andrew Napolitano, and uh, was just announced that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s new campaign manager, former guest on this show, and I didn't know that. Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s new campaign manager, Dennis the Menace Kucinich, is going to be one of the speakers at this rally as well. So that's going to be on May 27th. Here was Gerald Salente talking about it on his, um, on his program recently. Again, please try to make the rally. Please try to make the rally on Saturday, May 27th, 
on the four corners of freedom. And here's the poster that shows it. Take a look at this. And if you look at the great people that'll be here, Dennis Kucinich, Frank Morano, John Whitehead, Gary Noll, myself, Craig Jardula, one after another, whole list. We have music, entertainment, and a good time. So please donate, come, do what you can. The future's in your hands. Don't drop it. So that's nice. I hope a lot of you do come May 27th, Kingston, New York, and uh, flattered to be included in that whole thing. Uh, I'm going to send out an email blast over the weekend, hopefully, that includes that along with some other things that I'm doing. If you want to be on my email list and you're not currently on my email list, just shoot me an email and say you want to be on it. Frank.Morano, that's Frank.M-O-R-A-N-O, at Red Apple. Uh, Red Apple Audio Networks dot com. That's Frank dot Morano at Red Apple Audio Networks dot com. And uh, just say add me to your email list and I will put you on my email list for all the stuff. Now, I got an email from uh, not an email, but an SMS text message uh, on a group text with my siblings, my father, my stepmother, my wife and my at least one of my sister-in-law and my brother Alexander's girlfriend, who we often call my sister-in-law. And my sister-in-law, who's married to my brother Nick, wonderful, wonderful woman, Kat, she's great. She sent me this. She said, hey, hello, family. She sent everybody this, the seven of us or eight of us. Hello, family. Just started planning it today, but we are going to the Keys to celebrate Nick's 30th birthday. We will be there from December 13th through 18th, a Wednesday through a Monday, flying into Miami the 13th. We would love if you guys came as well, even if you could only swing a couple of nights. We are inviting family and friends to get a head count, and then we'll look at places we can all stay. No pressure at all to come. Come on. But what did you extend the invite? Now, come on. That is a lot of pressure to come. Come to a different state. To celebrate your brother's 30th birthday. All right. I, I mean, keep in mind, I went to Hawaii for their wedding. This is asking a lot of people here. We'll see. I don't know if this is a trip I'll make. We'll see. Until next hour, your influence counts. Be sure to use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Other side of midnight. We are moments away from denunciations. I'm just catching up on my SMS text messages here. And if you ever want to send me an SMS text message, you can do so at uh, 8168 Morano. That's 8168 M O R A N O. 
Our friend Donna uh, sends me the message that Dolly Parton is polyamorous, which I did not know. Makes me like her more now. She's polyamorous at 77 years of age. That's great. I don't think I could handle polyamory. I have a difficult time not having one romantic partner kill me and, you know, deal with all her emotional needs and everything she wants to do. To multiply that by two or three, forget about it. I think I'd just be, I I mean, it'd be like a second full-time job. I, I couldn't do that. Uh, but uh, I think that's great that Dolly that Dolly Parton is. I don't know if that's confirmed, but Donna's usually a pretty reliable source on the uh, on the polyamory front. So that's that. Good for her. All right. Without further ado, uh, we got Debbie Schlussel movie reviews with Debbie Schlussel coming up in just about twenty minutes. We got Marlena Shivo coming up next hour, which I'm very much looking forward to. Do you know? I just looked on Amazon. How much do you think a a 12-pack of Tab goes for on Amazon? Now, keep in mind, they don't make it anymore. Keep in mind, it's also, it's a fun soda. It's a good soda, but it's not a great soda. How much do you think a 12-pack of Tab is going for right now? $350. $350. Now, I love Tab, but I would never pay $350 for a 12-pack of Tab. Because I have this, I have maybe five or six cans left of Tab in my garage that Arthur Idala got me after, right after they discontinued it because he, he knew that I was a, a fan. My, and I was thinking maybe I'll have one this weekend, but I only have a few left. I should probably save them for special occasions. And I said, well, how much could one of these, you know, 12-packs be going for online now? Sure enough, they're going for $350. It's nuts. I would never pay that. All right. Without further ado, uh, let us denounce some people, shall we? It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. Very apropos of Tab, which I believe is sweetened with saccharin. Let me denounce sugar substitutes. Sugar substitutes... Sugar substitutes, we've known this for years, and this is yet another study that says essentially the same thing. Sugar substitutes do not, repeat not, help in long-term weight control. This time, there's a study from the World Health Organization. If you are looking to lose weight, it is advised not, repeat not, to use sugar substitutes. The WHO conducted a systematic review of available evidence and concluded that the use of non-sugar sweeteners does not, repeat not, provide any long-term benefits in terms of reducing body fat in both adults and children. Francesco Branca, the director of WHO's Department of Nutrition and Food Safety, said that replacing free sugars with non-sugar sweeteners does not, repeat, not contribute to long-term weight control. While a slight reduction in body weight was observed in the short term, it was not uh, not sustainable. Branca clarified that this guidance applies to everyone except individuals with pre-existing diabetes. The reason behind this exception is that none of the studies included in the review involve people with diabetes, making it impossible to assess. You know, we've seen a 100 studies like this that all say the same thing. 
And yet people still drink their Diet Coke and their Tab and they think they're being healthy and they're doing something that's going to make them skinny. You're not because here's what happens. And I, and I think this is so important because so many people get a Diet Soda thinking that they're being healthy. And they're not. What happens is this. When you taste something sweet, evolution has hardwired us uh, to basically prepare our bodies to intake a lot of calories. Because in the back in the old days, when you'd have some fruit and you'd taste a, a sweet taste, like from fruit or something, your body would have to prepare for that uptick in calories. Well, what happens when your body is prepared to consume a whole bunch of calories from drinking or tasting something sweet, and then you don't get those calories, your body then goes out and craves something to satiate that. So it actually, in the long run, makes you more hungry, and you actually end up consuming more in the long run. So um, guys like uh, Matt Blaze around here sitting around drinking this Coke Zero, and they're wondering why they're not in the same kind of shape Kenneth is, who drinks zero Coke Zeros, from what we can tell. So sugar substitutes, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Marion Reyes. Marion, I don't mean to laugh about this because it's a sad situation, but this woman is just such a dope. Marion Reyes, with seven DUI arrests, is a Las Vegas mother. And uh, she said she hoped her latest arrest sticks. And she's admitted that the best thing for her is being in prison. She skipped her last court appearance. Now, why would you do this? Why would you get arrested six times on DUI? And then after you're arrested the seventh time, skip your court appearance. Why would you do this? I think you could easily make the case if what you wanted to do was go to jail or go to prison, that that's where you belong. Clearly, this woman has a drinking problem and should never be driving. One would argue she probably shouldn't be drinking either. But uh, this is, I think there's no excuse for this. Marion Reyes, I do denounce you. I must also denounce former Olympian Trevor Jacob. Did you hear about this guy? This guy is really something. This is a story out of California. Former Olympian Trevor Jacob faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine after agreeing to plead guilty to obstructing evidence after intentionally crashing his plane. This dope, this 29-year-old joker, is an ex-Olympic snowboarder. He col- he completed he competed in the 2014 Sochi Games, and then he became a pilot and a viral YouTube sensation. And in a publicity stunt intended for a wallet sponsor on November 24th, 2021, Jacob flew a Taylorcraft BL-65 plane over the Santa Barbara National Forest. He claimed the engine went out mid-flight with a bout of cursing and recorded himself with a selfie stick parachuting to safety. Two days later, Jacob informed the NTSB of the wreck, who declared an investigation on the same day and mandated he leave the remains intact. Well, now he's admitted that he faked this whole thing just to get more views on his YouTube page 
and more subscribers. This is so sad. Now, I'll do a lot of different things for both the Klondike Bar and for more listeners to this show. But let me tell you, I will not intentionally crash a plane just for listeners. Trevor Jacob, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the 49-year-old Virginia man who attacked two staff members of Congressman Jerry Connolly's office with a metal baseball bat, and he also refused to appear at his arraignment on Tuesday. This guy is a real joker. No one should ever attack anyone, but especially congressional staffers. They're doing the people's work. And if you do attack a congressional staffer, you should absolutely appear for your arraignment. That's a double denunciation. I'm not going to name this person. I want to also denounce, kills me to do this because this is the city that I've lived my whole life in and I hope to live the rest of my days in, and I love the city, and I'm a passionate defender of it, but I must be, I am forced to denounce New York City. Yes, that's right. That's right. The personal finance website WalletHub, which I think is pretty credible, is ranking New York City as the worst city in the country to start a career. The site compared cities based on 26 categories, and New York scored low in many of them, including last in housing affordability and available entry-level jobs. And the best city to start a career, by the way, if you're curious, is Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. So if you're looking to start a career, stay out of New York City. There you have it. I must also denounce... President Guillermo Lasso. I'll tell you, I love Ted Lasso, but I am not at all fond of Guillermo Lasso. I was all set to to, um, denounce Guillermo Lasso to begin with for corruption and for all sorts of other shenanigans that have led to his impeachment. The guy is maybe one of the most corrupt world leaders in South America. And, which is which is saying quite a bit if you look at some of the other people in South America. And so the legislature there impeached him. So they're in the midst of the impeachment trial. And what does President Lasso do? He disbanded the Congress, the Assembly. So I don't know why Donald Trump didn't think of this. You get impeached? Oh, just disbanding you. This is ridiculous. This has never been used before, and this essentially will allow the president to rule by decree until new elections can be held. This adds significantly to the level of political turbulence in Ecuador. Uh, They are having a very tough time. They are dealing with violence. They are dealing with a skyrocketing homicide rate. They're dealing with very powerful narco-trafficking groups because that's who really runs that country. It's not President Guillermo Lasso. It's the narco-trafficking groups. So I, President Lasso, rather than take your impeachment by a man, you're choosing to be a sore loser. I do denounce you. I must also denounce the city of New Orleans. According to data from the National Highway, Tra- uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, New Orleans, followed pretty closely by Tucson and Jacksonville, have the country's highest rates of fatal accidents for bicycle deaths 
per million residents. Bicycle use has exploded in the last couple of years, and I think that's a great thing. But if you don't want to get killed while riding your bicycle, stay out of New Orleans. So if you're looking to launch a career as a bike messenger and survive, I think the two cities you – I think that really you what you want to do is stay out of any city that begins with the word new. Stay out of New York. Stay out of New Orleans. Newark didn't score particularly well on either of those categories either. So if you're looking to launch a career as a bike messenger, I don't know. Maybe stick with Atlanta. I want to denounce Derek Lee Lind. This is a uh, real buffoon. Uh, He is a Minneapolis elementary school staff member who faces felony charges after a student discovered two loaded firearms in school. Uh, Derek Lee Lind has been charged with possession of a dangerous weapon on school property, negligent storage of loaded firearms, and carrying a firearm in a public place without a permit. Now, this guy acknowledged to a staff member that the bag was his, the bag with these loaded weapons, but he didn't want to leave it in the car because it didn't lock. Now, let's think about this. If you're going to bring a couple of loaded guns to school, is it better to leave them in an unlocked car or is it better to bring them into the school? That's precisely the very difficult choice that Derek Lee Lind was facing. In my view, you leave the guns home in that instance. And I think he made the poor poor decision either way. Uh, Derek Lee Lind, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Adele and Matt Allen. They are unschooling their children. These are two U.K. parents. I hope this is being done just for publicity because this is ridiculous. They are raising their three children. And I thought I was a libertine parent letting my son kind of do what he wants a lot of the time and not being overbearing, not being a helicopter parent. These two are... Some of the worst parents I've ever read about. Beyond being abusive, you know, that's a different category. Adele and Matt Allen are raising their three children with child autonomy, allowing their children to set their own curriculum, set their own bedtime, set their own menus, set them all, set their own meal times, and set their own chore lists. The Allens, who live in Brighton in the UK, fully embrace the unconventional parenting style that aligns with their frugal and natural living habits. The parents, who are both 39, don't trust the health care or education systems and have allowed their children, 112, 18, and 14, to make their own choices from a very young age. We didn't do vaccinations for our kids. All of her children breastfed until they were at least three years old. We also don't use the education system. Instead, this is a quote from this mother here. We unschool our kids. This means they have to show an interest in something for us to explore it with them instead of following a curriculum. I mean, look, I'm all for childhood independence and pursuing what your kids want to do and not being overbearing and not telling them what to do. I'm all for that. These children are going to grow up, if they grow up not getting measles or mumps or something, these children are going to grow up not knowing how to read. 
or not knowing anything about history or not knowing anything about math. And that's cruel to do to these children. A four-year-old doesn't know enough to make a decision that they should learn something. They don't. And it's your job, at least for a couple of years, to protect them. I find this abhorrent. And to Adele and Matt Allen, I do denounce you. I must also denounce a minister in the Danish parliament by the name of Aki Matilda Ho Dem. This is one of two members representing Greenland in the Danish parliament. This is a Greenlandic minister in the parliament who refused to speak Danish during a debate in the Danish parliament and instead spoke in her native Inuit language, frustrating uncomprehending lawmakers and highlighting strained relations with Denmark and Greenland. Now, she was asked nicely, please speak Danish. This is the language we speak in the Danish legislature. And Hogan Dem refused after the speaker encouraged her to. This is ridiculous. Um, this is obnoxious. I get what point that she's trying to make. She's trying to get the Greenland has their own distinct identity. You know what? You knew that this is what they did in the Denmark parliament when you ran for it. Maybe if you spoke a language that the people could understand, maybe you'd get, be able to get some of your agenda actually enacted. I hate this. And you know what I hate most about this? The fact that some loser in the New York State legislature is going to say, I can't believe I didn't think of that. And they're going to go up to Albany next week, and they're going to start speaking Haitian Creole or um, whatever, or Persian or something. Because, and that's the last thing we need. There's got to be some common frame of language. Has to be. You're in the parliament in Denmark. Speak Danish. Come on. Don't be an obnoxious loser. You know, my grandfather and his brother and his sister, they spoke Italian. And my grandfather spoke a little bit better than his brother. But you know what they would do? They'd speak Italian to one another. But if they wanted to communicate with someone else, they would speak English. They wouldn't speak Italian to people that didn't speak Italian. And to me, this is what this lawmaker did. And she did it to make a point, and it's annoying. That's the point that I get. I would vote against whatever she wanted just for that. All right. Um, if there's anyone that I've missed in denunciations or if you want to comment on, <clears throat> on denunciations, you are welcome to. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. But I am very excited. It has been far too long since we spoke with uh, Debbie Schlussel. Debbie Schlussel is an attorney. She's a uh, political pundit. But, you know, I'm going to pick her brain on some of that stuff, too. But she is also a movie reviewer. And she is going to review some films. And she tells us not only what's worth seeing, but she finds a lot of times these political subtexts that some of us miss.
So we'll get into movies with Debbie Schlussel in, and some news of the day with Debbie Schlussel in just a moment. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Still to come, Marlena Schiavo and a bunch of other fun things. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This is Cake by the Ocean by DNCE. If uh, you, this is one of the uh, most viewed music videos of all time. Uh, if you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on the show, join our Facebook group, our ever-expanding Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano. Well, I must confess, I have been looking forward to this moment for a couple of weeks now. And um, whenever this occurs, I'm always annoyed with myself for not having our next guest on the show more often because there are so many issues that I always want to pick her brain on. And uh, she's so knowledgeable, so passionate, and quite frankly, so often so entertaining about uh, all of her opinions, whether they're related to politics, the law, or the movies. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome back attorney, author, political commentator, and film critic, Debbie Schlussel. Debbie, it is a treat to talk with you again. Welcome back. Well, thank you so much. What an intro. I'll tip you later. <laughs> Debbie, um, I want to pick your brain on a couple items in the news before we get to movies that people may have the option to see this weekend. Uh, first, uh, a story that got a lot of attention this week I've been particularly eager to get your take on. That is the uh, John Durham report on the FBI investigation into President Trump. And I'm eager to get your take because you, while you're conservative, I wouldn't necessarily call you a, you know, a Trumpaholic, and uh, you've been very critical of Trump when need be. You're not a Trump automaton by any means, and I always get the sense that you kind of call it as you see them, irrespective of the political personalities involved. That being said, what did you think of uh, what came out in the Durham report as it related to the FBI? Yeah, well, thanks. You're right. I'm not a Trumpaholic. I did vote for him three times, including one time in the primary in Michigan. Um, but I was never I, – I, I thought he did a lot of great things as president. I was happy with my vote. But personally, I did not like him, and I don't like a lot of the things that he's done since uh, leaving the White House. Um, but what did I think of the Durham report? Well, um, what happened with the Durham report is exactly what I predicted. Every time I've ever talked about it, um, there's a one radio show that I did every Friday, and – that radio show went through several incarnations with one host, then he had a, a co-host and so on. And each time we talked about it, he kept telling me, oh, he's going to hammer these people. A lot of people are going to go to jail. That's will roll. And I said, no, you know, I really don't think anything is going to ever happen with this. I like to be an optimist, but I think 
that most of the people that did the Trump-Russia investigation who knew what they were doing, who had agendas, uh, not much is going to happen to them. And really, only a few other people are going to take the fall for the people who really did it. And I think, unfortunately, I've been proven correct. I think that this whole investigation ended with a whimper. Nothing really ever happened with it. As you may recall, there was um, an FBI lawyer who took the fall for someone, and then there was another FBI lawyer and her extramarital boyfriend, who was an FBI agent, who both had an agenda and who said before the election, uh, when Trump first got elected, that they would make sure he was not going to get elected and so on. And they were, I think the woman was Lisa Page, maybe. And and the guy has that name that none of right. us Peter, know. Right, Peter Strzok with the weirdly right. placed Z in there. Right. So and he those, those were the only two. And I think the only reason they took any kind of fall whatsoever was because, I mean, their text messages were really blatant. And they had, uh, they had an agenda. Um, and you know what? They were stupid. They could have exchanged text messages on private phones. And we would be none the wiser just to them. Um, but they did this on their FBI government-issued phones. But other than that, nothing really ever happened to anyone. There was that lawyer whose name escapes me, and I can't remember. But there was a, a male lawyer who who uh, had criminal charges, and he had to resign. And he probably lost his law license because of that. But other than that, whatever happened, nothing. So no big and deal, basically. Me, you think? Well, to me, no big deal of what happened and what um, John Durham found. But I, but to me, from the beginning, everything with this Trump Russia investigation was the kind of thing that the that the Soviet Union would have done back in the days of the Soviet Union, or what Vladimir Putin does now as a former KGB top official. Um, they investigate people that they don't want to be elected, and they try to pin things on them and hold these crazy hearings. I never supported any of the impeachment hearings for Trump. I didn't think there was any collusion. And Durham basically said this investigation should have never happened, and it was completely partisan and put on. Um, What they really should have investigated, and which never really happened to me, I think it's disgraceful and shameful, is – that Hillary Clinton and officials in her campaign uh, lied, and they were the basis right. at the very beginning for this whole investigation, and they were the ones pushing this. They really should have been investigated more, and things should have happened there because, I mean, this really was a political witch hunt, as Trump had said. Let uh, me so go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your, finish your so thought. I was just going to say, I, I just think that this kind of thing should never have happened in contemporary United States of America. It, it is a Soviet-style kind of move, and nothing happened to these people. Nothing. Let me, let's talk about your guy, DeSantis. He is uh, being criticized in some quarters today for what's happening with, with Disney. Uh, so, some of his critics are saying that... Um, it's Governor DeSantis that just lost Florida a billion-dollar Disney investment and 2,000 jobs. Even uh, President Trump, who obviously is a likely rival 
of DeSantis issued a statement saying DeSantis' failed war on Disney has done little for his limping shadow campaign and is now doing even less for Florida's economy. It looks like DeSantis may announce as soon as next week. Where do you think his presidential campaign stands now? And do you think he's making a mistake with this war with Disney that he's embroiled in? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, First of all, I think it's getting him a lot of attention with conservatives. He's actually doing something that a lot of conservatives have complained about what is going on with the culture war, which basically we've been losing. And I think a big reason why we've been losing it is because we complain about it, but they just steamroll ahead forward. And they do whatever they want, the the people on the other side of the culture war, where anything goes, and pushing the envelope uh, further to the point where there's there's not been an envelope for a very long time. Um, He's the only one, really, who has done anything about it. A lot of people, you know, we we see Christy Noem, who might run for president, also the governor of South Dakota, for years complained, for example, about – male to female athletes competing against actual female athletes in sports. And then when it came down to it and her legislature, which is mostly Republican, passed a law against this, she wouldn't sign it. She vetoed it. She claimed, oh, it's because of legal reasons, blah, blah, blah. No, it's because she doesn't have any cojones, literally and figuratively. Um, And I think DeSantis has signed bills on all of these things. So he actually has put his money where his mouth is. If that's wrong, then maybe we should then maybe the conservative movement, maybe the Republican Party should just give up the culture war and just be Democrats light, like conservatives are in countries like Canada, the Great Britain, Australia, and so on. They're really not conservative. They're just moderate Democrats. He's actually doing those things. Now, is he losing jobs? Sure. Um, And maybe in the short run, that's a very, very bad thing. But in the long run, do you really think that Disney's going to pick up and close up Disney World in Florida and move everything to some other state, like maybe Alabama, Georgia, somewhere else in that region? It's not going to happen. So he is standing his ground. I do think sometimes conservatives do pick certain things of the culture war that they've already lost, and they're not going to win it back. And that's a mistake. And I think with some things with Disney, maybe some things should not be pursued. But I I think in the long run, he's really uh, the only one who has any courage to fight Disney. Disney has always thought, well, we employ lots of people. And a lot of companies feel this way. We employ a lot of people so we can do whatever we want. And nobody's going to do anything. Nobody's going to stop us. Politicians are all on the take with us. Our PACs give them money and so on. And at least he's got the guts to say, nope, I'm sorry, you don't own me. You don't own Florida. And listen, DeSantis is as popular as ever. So we'll see what happens. But I'm actually proud that he's not towing the company line.
Uh, talking with Debbie Schlussel, uh, you could check out her uh, website at uh, DebbieDoesPolitics.com. A lot of interesting commentary on there and uh, links to a bunch of other archives of things that she's done. And you could also sign up for her mailing list, etc. Uh, Debbie, I know you used to go on Fox News a great deal back in the day, maybe not so much these days. And you have been very open about your uh, views of various personalities on Fox. Roger Ailes' widow... Um, for whatever it's worth, she released a statement this week, I think on Twitter, saying that um, Roger that uh, the Murdochs have wreaked havoc on Fox News and that uh, they have basically ruined Fox News and called their leadership of Fox News a joke. Uh, is that a sentiment you agree with, you disagree with, you partially agree with? What do you think? Well, I disagree that they're any different than Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes was not all they conservative. Roger Ailes was, I think, a centrist, but he knew that if he gave people something more conservative than what was being offered by all the other networks, he would draw in a significant percentage of the country because half the country thinks a different way. But I don't think he ever really gave um, people what was really a conservative network. I mean, when he was the head of Fox, they were really pushing the global warming stuff. They had um, a lot of uh, global warming. They had a, a, not a lot. I should say they had global warming, warming specials. They were pushing this comprehensive immigration reform, which is basically amnesty. They were pushing some of the same things that uh, really would be catastrophic to America and are catastrophic to America that the left is pushing and that were not so different from CNN. And so I don't know that Roger Ailes did anything so different. Um, but, Debbie, let me ask you, what, what's wrong with that? Let's say he leaned centrist but put out a product that a lot of conservatives enjoyed. Who cares necessarily what his politics were as long as he's putting out a, a product that is an, an antidote or an alternative to what people are getting on uh, CBS News, CNN, MSNBC? Well, so it's an alternative that says, well, I'm not going to really give you something that you want to see or that is good for you. I'm going to give you something just slightly different because I know you're so desperate for something different. You'll take whatever I give you, which is what I think he was giving. I think the Murdochs were giving that for a while, too, except then they realized that they have to spout whatever Trump people want to hear, whatever the mega crowd wants to hear, and we're going to give them that. So I think they've actually changed it a little bit in in that respect. But I, I think it's pretty much the same place. I think the culture that Roger Ailes fostered is still there. I think that's why certain personalities like Sean Hannity are still there. Um, and I think that this is why um, Tucker Carlson was, was allowed to remain there so long. Um, they, they do care about ratings, and that's it. They don't care about behavior or conduct or anything else. And I think it was it was worse in that respect under Roger Ailes. Um, I had communications with Roger Ailes, and I know why he did not want to um, want to have me as a, a permanent Fox News contributor at the beginning. Um, and I I know later on why I was blackballed by Sean Hannity and why Roger Ailes went along with that. So, and I know Rush Limbaugh actually once told me that he had lunch with him and he brought me up because with, he was with Roger Ailes or with Sean Hannity? Yeah, 
with Roger Ailes, and he told me, because remember, Roger Ailes produced the Rush right. Limbaugh sure. TV, TV show. show. Right. So he told me what Roger Ailes said about me and, and some of the things, and I really think he was a lot worse for Fox News. I don't think it's really changed that significantly, and we know all the things that he fostered, and we know that Gretchen Carlson, when a lot of people didn't believe her at the beginning, she actually taped the conversation right. she had with Roger Ailes, and that's why Fox News gave her so much money, reportedly $20 million in a settlement. So I don't think he was all that great for Fox News. And this is a woman, uh, his widow, that I think was probably regularly cheated on and, and scorned. And hell hath no fury like that. But, I, you know, I don't think Fox News was all that great um, under him and that it's so markedly different now. Give us I, a I hint, uh, Debbie. What, what were some of the reasons that Roger Ailes didn't want you on Fox News? So Rush Limbaugh said um, that, that when he mentioned my name, Roger Ailes said, oh, she tries so hard to get things that she's very aggressive to get them. And that's why I'm not going to have her on. And I was thinking, well, what does that mean? So somebody can't be aggressive to go after what they want? Did Roger Ailes never be aggressive? Did any of the people who were on that network never be aggressive? Of course they were aggressive. That's how they got where they were. And he also told me that a certain person, I'm not going to say the name, who's not even on Fox except for maybe like once or twice a year anymore, but who at the time had a TV show and was very powerful, um, bad-mouthed me and so on. But he, the things he was saying was basically he did not want aggressive women on the channel. And I'm thinking, well, every single woman that's on there is incredibly aggressive, and so is every man on there. I just thought a lot of the things he said were ridiculous. Interesting. Um, I, By the way, I do have a signed Roger Ailes book if anyone wants um, – Thinking of putting it on eBay. Yeah, maybe we'll he do an auction online. That'll be fun. Is it personalized to you? Yes. Oh. It's called you, it's called you Are the Message. And his inscription to me was, you don't need this book or my advice because you're already going on TV all the time, which I was <laughs> at that time. That's pretty good. Uh, okay. Yeah. I might put in a bid for that. All right, uh, Debbie, a lot of movies that people are going to be curious about. A film that's still doing uh, blockbuster numbers at the box office is the third installment, and I'm told it might be the final installment, although when you make this much money, I don't know that it's ever final, in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. I saw the first two Guardians of the Galaxy films. I liked them, but not enough to go out of my way to make a special trip to the theaters to see this one. What was your review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I didn't really care for it. I really liked the first one. The second one was just okay. I could take it or leave it. And this one I thought was a total waste of time. It's over two and a half hours long. And it's it's a lot of eye candy. There are great sets, a lot of great costumes, with a few exceptions. Um, but just there's so much going on. It's very confusing. Um, supposedly, like you said, it's the last one, but that's what they always say. And they kind of set it up, um, at the end so that they can make another one. Um, I just think they could have cut out probably an hour of this and I would have been fine with it. Um, and just the story wasn't all, all that great. Not that people go to see this for the story, but, uh, the soundtrack, you know, the whole thing, a lot of it is that there's a soundtrack. 
that um, the Chris Pratt character's mother left to him. Uh, he doesn't know his mother, but he knows her through the music. I didn't think the music in this movie was all that great. Uh, the soundtrack, I just, I was just underwhelmed. It was lackluster to me. The uh, sequel to Book Club, Book Club, the next chapter. I imagine this is geared more towards younger audiences. Tell us, tell us about this film. <laughs> Actually, quite the opposite. It's geared towards middle age and older women. Um, so this is the movie with Jane Font. It's it's a sequel to the original movie with Jane Fonda, um, Diane Keaton. Um, trying to remember who else is in this well, movie. Uh, Mary Steenburgen, right? Mary Steenburgen and um, uh, Murphy Brown. What is her name? Oh, Candace, Candace Bergen, sure. Right. So I hated this movie. The first one I did not care so much for, but this one makes the first one look like a masterpiece. It's basically a lot of uh, dirty old women jokes that weren't funny and landed with a thud. Um, when they had the screening of this, they gave away a lot of free passage to it, and mm. they gave everyone um, vouchers for two free wine drinks. So, of course, people would be liquored up when they watched it, and, of course, they would laugh at everything that just wasn't funny. I just thought it was awful. Um, Hanoi Jane is in it, Jane Fonda, and she is so sculpt- so um, blown up like a blow-up doll. And so plastic surgerified that, and they show so many close-ups of her face and and her bad wigs and so on. I thought, like, if I had a needle and I went anywhere near the screen, everything would pop. Um, It just wasn't for me. Bad wigs, bad plastic surgery for all of them. And uh, the part of the movie plot is that Don Johnson is going to marry 85-year-old Jane Fonda. No, he's marrying 35-year-old so-and-sos. I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, tell me about um, tell me about uh, Carmen. I know this is a uh, a musical. Uh, what's this about? So it's not it it is musical in parts, but it's not the French musical. It's this Mexican movie where basically um, this woman sees her mother murdered um, brutally in Mexico, so she runs for the border. And sneaks in with a bunch of illegal aliens like herself. And, of course, the uh, Border Patrol agents are horrible people. And this guy, the Border Patrol agent, murders two people in cold blood that are in her crew of illegals. And she has to try and escape him and another another Border Patrol agent who's a Marine who has PTSD and try to run to Los Angeles. Uh, But they're tracking her. You know, it's another thing. I'm sure you love this film. Enforcing our borders. Yeah, I mean, come on. Mexico enforces their borders. and we're They're allowed, but we're not allowed to do that. We have to allow an invasion. And as we've seen on the news, it's not exactly a good thing. So this is a thumbs down for for this particular film. Thumbs down propaganda against secure borders. Please, no thank you. All right, finally in the queue uh, for this week, Fast X. Uh, Fast X is um, apparently, um, this is one of these big-budget Vin Diesel-produced films uh, that has gotten a lot of attention. It's playing everywhere. It's five times an hour, practically. What's this film about? Is this the Fast and the Furious? Yeah, so it's... It's um, otherwise known as Fast and Furious 10, 
But, yes, it's Fast X or Fast Roman numeral 10. Um, and I actually enjoyed this for what it is. Yeah. Um, I liked the first two Fast and Furious movies. I really liked Fast Five. I thought it was the best of all the Fast, move, Fast and Furious movies. This one is not bad. I haven't liked any of the movies since Fast Five. I thought they were ridiculous, boring, way too long, and a mess. Now, this one is not a great plot or a great movie, mind you, but at least you can follow it. It's not so confusing. Um, and it's got what everybody goes to this movie for, which is not the plot or the story or anything else. It's fancy cars, fast car chases, and action. So- and this has all of that. And, and it's even though it's two and a half hours, I actually enjoyed it. The time went by very very quickly. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to see this because I've never seen any of the uh, Fast and the Furious films, and so it's just I don't think it's really my thing. A very weak review for uh, bo- the book club sequel. Very weak review for Carmen. Kind of a so-so review for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. If people are looking to see something this weekend, either in theaters or at home in one of the digital streaming services that they just might enjoy, that might be a good film. What are you recommending, even if it's a few more weeks old than the last couple of weeks that we've gone into today? Yeah, you know, I can't even really remember what I recommended in the last month um, that I thought was really enjoyable or worth it. I just really can't remember. Um, You know, there are a few things on Netflix that I thought were entertaining, but I, I feel like a lot of stuff nowadays is kind of wild goose chases and... I think, you know, the summer season is going to be starting Memorial Day weekend, and I think that's when we're probably going to see some okay things and things are going to start getting better. Mm -hmm. I know right now I've watched on um, Freevee, which is a free channel, and it's a free app if you have one of those TVs you can upload or uh, apps on, or you can just upload on your computer. It's owned by Amazon. Um, I've been watching all the old episodes of the series called Bosch, B-O-S-C-H. It's a detective show. I really, really hmm. enjoyed it with Titus Welliver. I'm now watching um, Bosch Legacy, and season two, I think, is just coming out. Um, I, I I find that a very enjoyable series. It, it's very good plot. It's not too woke, and um, and it's the story is original. I enjoyed it. All right, Debbie, we're going to have to end it there. It's always a treat talking with you. Uh, let's do it again soon. And I'm always saying this, but come visit us soon, okay? Absolutely. All right. Uh, Debbie Schlossel, check her out, DebbieDoesPolitics.com. DebbieDoesPolitics.com. You have any comments, questions, etc. give me a call, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
Well, hopefully you are doing something fun that involves a tropical island, Aruba, Jamaica, so forth, maybe even just Coney Island, whatever the case may be. Hopefully it's something fun. Uh, I have a fairly uneventful weekend uh, this weekend, although they're always somewhat eventful. My son was outside uh, playing with the neighbors yesterday, who were a couple years older than him, and one of them had the board game Candyland. You remember Candyland as a kid? I played it when I was in preschool and so forth, and he loved it. So anyway, the boy across the street had to go in, and so they were packing up the Candyland, and Carmine got so sad. He started crying, and not crying like he gets when he's throwing a temper tantrum, but he was genuinely sad. He went, ran to my mom, to uh, his mom and started holding her leg and uh, crying into her leg, and he was really upset. So the little boy across the street, Nicholas, he said, oh, that's okay. Carmine could borrow this if he wants. And so right now he has borrowed it, and so I have a, I have a feeling we're going to play a great deal of Candyland when uh, when I get home, which will be a nice break from reading Eva the Kid Reporter and Goldilocks and Three Bears twenty times in a row. Uh, so that's uh, that's that. And then um, I didn't get to finish the Ted Lasso episode we started two two days ago, so hopefully I could finish that Ted Lasso episode as well. My wife I think wants to plant a tree. On Saturday, the uh, I got her a tree for Mother's Day. These trees that she likes, I think uh, magnolia trees. So that's on our agenda for for Saturday. And then I'm supposed to get this blood test, which I would have liked to have gotten last Saturday, but they never told me. Marlena Shivo is here. You never know what will occur when Marlena's in town. We'll find out. To be continued. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. This hour, very lucky to be joined by someone who is as quick-witted as she is sharp-tongued. Someone with a lengthy resume as a producer, a digital content creator, and a humorist. She can make you laugh and then cry with Within one sentence of one another. Very pleased to welcome back the one and only, the lovely and talented Marlena Shivo. Hello, Marlena. Hello, Frank. Did you mean cry with laughter? Like you laugh so hard you're crying? Or am I bringing you to tears? Both. 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 I, I run the whole spe- spectrum of human emotion when you're around. Absolutely. Did you just say I'm on the spectrum? <laughs> Not hardly. No. Um, <laughs> how are you? Uh, I'm do- I'm doing well. I um I was listening to the show on the way in as I always do, Wonderful. and Thank immediately, you. um I was intrigued by the conversation about the prison. I had I had yeah, to comment. What would you do if your husband went to prison? Well, well wait. Let's rewind back okay. for a second. You said that um you asked Rachel 
if she like because the guy you were talking about went to prison for 12 years right. right now would rachel stay with you for 12 years while you served your prison sentence I think it would be nice my first thought is how does she how is she going to stay with you for 12 years how is she going to stay with you for 12 right. years <laughs> with you Not as a free prison. citizen that's true that's, that's true <laughs> that, that's number one that's true the vegas odds makers are having a field day with that one that's true <laughs> yeah so, um, so you know, mazel to her if she stays with you for 12 exactly. years with you under, out of prison. Under normal circumstances. Let yeah. alone in prison. That's okay. right. In prison might be easier for, for her. Well, but, but I feel now. like you have the whole concept backwards yeah. because, um, you know, um, being in a marriage is like being in prison. Oh, see, that's harsh. No. No, it's not. It's true. And on top of it, I feel like if your spouse did go to prison, that ironically would be your get out of jail free card. That's very funny. That's very funny the, the way that you put that. And I hope, um, you know, Alex Barnard, the only person in a serious relationship here who I think might be pondering marriage anytime soon. I hope he's listening to uh, Marlena's <laughs> words because they're important to keep in mind. I don't feel that way, but that, that clearly kid, Marlena does. The, the kid in the green room is yeah. getting married? Well, maybe. I mean, he's <laughs> in a serious relationship. He's the marrying type, right? He clearly, you could tell, right, Matt Blaze? He clearly wants to be married. You could tell. Absolutely. You know, it's like, you know, you you get it. You get, you, you could tell in talking to him. Okay. He's all about it. All right. Mazel. Yeah. Um, the woman that called in about the 60s and 70s being more calm, uh, I, I couldn't have agreed more. Not that I lived in the 60s and the 70s, but uh, before technology blew up, everything was definitely less stressful. And now, and I talk about this all the time, I think you and I have talked about it, just just the iPads alone with my kids is stressful. Just um, all the channels, all the different platforms, like working in media, you know, you're like, oh, is it posted here, 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 and here? Like, you have to figure oh, that whole thing out. the thing in the world. There's so much information everywhere. You can miss a million different things. Yeah. Your children have an iPad? Yeah, they have iPads. Um, and how old were they when they got those? Very young. How old? Um, like uh, three. Three. Because um, obviously Carmine doesn't have an iPad. He's 18 months old. But uh, the neighbor across the street, he, uh, the boy across the street, he's older, and he was playing on an iPad. I forget what he was playing, but he was showing Carmine, and Carmine was enthralled. And um, my wife and I really don't want to get him an iPad. And the neighbor, another neighbor asked, oh, does he have one? And we said, no. And we were, we were both, I was, Rachel was out with him. I wasn't out with him. She was very nervous about how much he was uh, attracted to this, this iPad. He clearly was enthralled, which we really don't want to do. So we'd like to hold off on getting him an iPad or something like that as, as long as possible. Yeah, I, that was a mistake on on our part. And like once, you know, our older child had one, then obviously right. what what is she going to do? Give it up once right. the baby exactly. came? And so to say, well, we're going to do it differently this time was nearly impossible. Right. And there is an addiction there. And there's obviously been a lot of research to say that it it. it it is damaging for their brains. They're, you know, it increases anxiety. It, it, it reduces impulse so control. So through the prism of hindsight, yeah. you think three is a good age, too early, too young to give a child an iPad? I actually don't think there's a set age. I think it's more about the exposure. Like if you, if I had set boundaries earlier on saying it's an hour a day, I think that would have been easier. So then, you know, they would know it would shut off after a certain point and it would become almost like... Um, Pavlovian. They'd be like, right. oh, I only have this much time. 
But now it's like this endless thing where you like get right. off your iPad and it's five more minutes, five more minutes. See, we try and do that with him because he's very into watching Baby Einstein on television. Mm-hmm. And we let him watch a little bit in the morning while he has his bottle, um, maybe a little longer on Friday mornings because Rachel does these TV hits and she is kind enough to let me sleep. And then we'll let him watch a little bit at night uh, before he goes to bed after his bath. But sometimes if he's really upset about something, we'll let him watch for 15, 20 minutes in the middle of the day. But we're really nervous at how much he likes watching television, even though it's educational programming. And he has learned a lot. He's learned the other day my wife was planting flowers and he knew what it was. It was purple. Because of uh, Baby Einstein. But we get nervous just about how much he's into this TV. He points to the television set and grunts. He's like, uh, uh, uh. And right. we don't like that at all. But So we're trying to really limit how much he watches. But he really so loves it. So I that's know. what we're it, wrestling it, with. It, it's unavoidable. And then, like, you know, I mean, it, there's TVs in every room to right. begin with. And then you have computers and iPads. And now in schools, everything is becoming digital, even tests. I mean, they gave... When uh, my older daughter was, now she's in fourth grade, but when she was in kindergarten, they gave everybody um, their own uh, Chromebooks or whatever, Mm. which honestly makes no sense. And so when the quote unquote pandemic came along, you know, all these kids came home with their Chromebooks and they had to go on and log on and have their classes that way. And so your, your child is going to have some sort of device at some point in the near future. Uh, let me ask you about this, since this is in line with what we're uh, talking about. There is a school district in Maryland, and we have a lot of great listeners in Maryland on uh, WCBM, that is actually suing the major social media companies, including Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat and TikTok, alleging that they're contributing to a mental health crisis among America's youth. What do you think of this idea uh, that uh, they are contributing to this? And do you think this might actually, do you think this might actually have some legs, this particular lawsuit? Um, well, I, I, I back that effort. Um, I do think that there, there's been a mental deterioration um, just seeing the way the kids um they're like zombies. Right. Um, they really are. And um, there has been there has been extensive study to show that it really does decrease their mental abilities. Um, they call it digital dementia. And it is it is a real thing. And, you know, you will the the the, the idea that like all everybody now has ADD um, is not exactly false because. Um, because of the way the videos are on TikTok and, you know, you just it's just sure. this constant consumption. Right. And it's like they just don't have the attention span. And anyway, that woman that called in and talked about the kids don't play outside. She's right. It's actually yeah. that, that's stressful, too. My kids don't have a roller skate. Really? Yeah. I remember playing outside on the driveway, going down on roller skates, up the walkway and back down, and off the, you know, and and on bikes going around the block. You see it a little bit where I am. I'm a little bit more protective of my kids. I really don't want them riding bikes around. I just get nervous. But, yeah, no. Um, because of crime or an accident or both? Both. Both. Not that I live in a high crime right, area, but you know how it is. Right. Sure. It, it, you know, no one's in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tell that to Rebel. She's like, look around you. You know, I say, I understand what you're saying. And, and it, it is, you know, it's a nice place to live. However, people come in from the outside. It's not everybody who's driving through lives here. 
No, I, I understand that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I really I agreed with much of what that, the, uh, Pamela, that caller, said. That's uh, Prince George's County Public Schools that filed that lawsuit. I'm eager to see where it goes because uh, I think a lot of parents are uh, sympathetic to what they're, what they're going through. All right, let me ask you about the issue of the day. Uh, you only have to mention this word and immediately – 20 people start uh, start trying to call in, and this, you know, you walk into any bar, say this word, and bar fights will emerge. Tell me your solution to the migrants. What are we doing with this migrant crisis? What should cities be doing? What should the country be doing? Where, where, how should we handle this? Now, you know... I know you're expecting me to have a serious answer to this, but and this is a, this is actually a semi-serious answer. Now, they keep sending the migrants. I know they're sending them all over, but it all it also feels like they're only sending them to certain places just because. Well, we live here, so right, it's like okay, sixty thousand people showed up, and you've got Eric Adams saying that all all these hotel rooms are being occupied, and we know that they're being kept in gymnasiums of public schools, and kids can't have recess. I mean, these are realities, and it's a ridiculous reality to live through. For people who, uh, you know, for the people of New York and other cities like it. But um, what about all these open, open ground in, in, in the U.S.? Like the, the places where like the the FLDS the, the, or what is it? The um, the Mormons and the, the Latter-day Saints. Right. And LDS, the, sure. right. The LDS. What about them? I mean, they're religious, right? Why don't you just send them there? I mean, that would really test their religion, well, right? Their humanity. And they have the space. They certainly have the space. And and they could, you know, live within that bubble since they can't really work while they're waiting for their, their hearing, right? They, they don't really have papers to work. Yeah, I, I think you can work maybe after about uh, – I don't know what the time period, but I think while you're waiting a, a hearing, you can start to apply for a, a working permit. But I think part of the problem here is that a lot of these folks – want to come to cities like New York and are getting these aid groups or in some cases other municipalities to pay to ship them up here. And I don't know that they necessarily want to go to Utah or, you know, other places where there's a heavy Mormon population. I mean, you know, but but is it is it worse to go there than the countries they fled from? It's I'm sure it's much safer and it's much calmer Mm. and there's more space and there's probably a little bit more breathing room in terms of even finances. I mean, New York is so expensive. Yep. And I know that everything they're going to do is even be sub- it's going to be through the taxpayers and right. it's going to be subsidized and everything else. But the but just even the quality of living in a city versus some rural community Come on. Yeah, it, something tells me that if they were to try that, the governor of Utah would not be as welcoming as uh, maybe it, somebody like the governor of New York would be. But, uh, but you have these it's worth exploring. But, but I'm thinking about it. But think about it. You have these people that are people of God, and here they are. Here, here are these people coming in who need assistance. Right. This really is a testament and a test to how devoted they are to their cause. Right. It, yeah, I, I think it would be very interesting to see, uh, one, if they're willing to go there as opposed to a city like New York and if what those communities would do. I think it's worth exploring. Absolutely. I wanted to ask your opinion about this because you're on Twitter and all forms of social media. People can find you. Not TikTok. You. Not TikTok. You're <laughs> off TikTok. Oh, yeah. Uh, people can find you at Marlena Shivo. That's S-C-H-I-A-V-O. Elon Musk, the head, uh, the owner of Twitter, is getting some pushback because 
he's implementing this new policy where apparently they are going to delete the accounts of dead Twitter users. And a lot of people are saying that um, that's not right, that you shouldn't delete all this content and all this great stuff that people that are no longer with us have put out there on social media. And I'm kind of sympathetic to them. I, I understand where Musk is coming from, but I also think that, you know, I'd like my tweets to outlive me. Where do you come down? Well, it, there is such a thing as a legacy account. I mean, you know, when, when Joan Rivers died, her, her daughter took over her her accounts. Perhaps she always, did, you know, was in control of them. We don't know. But And she still sends stuff out from her accounts, um, and it kind of lives on. So I feel like... I don't know how far he's really going to get mm-hmm. in this crusade because if people are still, um, you know, in control and can log into these accounts, I mean, technically the person who started the account might be gone, but the control of the account is still in existence. Right. Well, this, he's saying this would be inactive Twitter accounts. You know, so if I – Well, if, technically, I mean, honestly, I don't love Twitter and I, I always forget to tweet because I actually don't even want some of the stuff that I – would put on other platforms out there. And it, it's also just not my, it's just different for me. So I'm not a huge fan. So you could even consider mine a very inactive mm-hmm. account. Lately, a little bit more so, but uh, there have been literally months where I've gone without tweeting. All right. Um, we've covered generations a great deal on this show. We've talked about millennials. We've talked about Generation X. We've talked about baby boomers. We've talked about Generation Z. I have not heard the term zillennials before, and yet that is the subject of a big article in USA Today. What is a zillennial? It is, it is, you know, it's it's one of these cusp uh, generations where they have one foot in one uh, group and another foot in the other group. But I don't even think it's a real thing because if you actually look at the breakdown of the dates, they break it down with to like to 19 from 1981 to 1996 which is technically a millennial right so so then yeah right so then and then after that um then it's gen z Z, so then why would they be zillennials in that same in that same grouping so this article was very confusing to me well who Um, did that article claim are the millennials then they didn't oh it it made no sense i'm like i don't understand so it, it, it was basically saying um, that they um, are, you know, I don't know, there's something about that they were born with technology, but they remember a time when it wasn't um, as easy to use. I'm like, no, I don't know if that's even true. Gotcha. I feel I like you. someone needs to call into USA Today or write in and talk to the editor about that article. After like, you finish talking with the Mormon prophet, you can reach out to USA Today and see their <laughs> view on the whole thing. Well, zillennial, I mean, but the, the term zillennial just sounds more annoying than the, the, the two terms, Gen Z and millennial. It's yeah. like, are zillennials like... But it was a weird headline. It says, move over millennials and Gen Z. There's a new generation in town. Meet zillennials. Who are the zillennials? Where, it, where are the zillennial meetings? <laughs> I don't know. Um, to be continued, I guess. You had uh, described a situation in where you took your daughter to the hospital and uh, because she was hurt, she got a head injury, and uh, there was a, a big uh, <laughs> dispute with the billing over, you know, right. plastic surgeon. And that was really informative and really interesting and something I always keep in mind. There was a mother, the story on the HuffPost.com, a mother who saw something very strange in her toddler's ear. But it wasn't exactly an injury. It certainly wasn't, you know, a, a head injury that required cosmetic surgery. 
What did this mother discover? I felt like this was a cautionary tale for you yeah, since you have a toddler. Um, there were two ticks inside the child's ear. Oh. And you were just talking about planting a tree, and this woman was gardening, and her, her toddler was outside with her. And when she put her in the bath, she saw something odd in her ear and had to take her to the doctor and um, had the unenviable task of holding her down as they removed these two ticks from her ear. Uh, But I just found it amusing that it was a story about ticks that the mom put on TikTok. (laughs) And it's just a sign of the ridiculous Uh, times that we live in. I, um, you know, that's not something that I ever thought about, but now I will because I roll around on the grass with... uh, you uh, roll my, around on the grass. Yeah, yeah. I, I hold them up as I'm on the grass, and we I like, throw them around and stuff. We have a good time uh, wrestling on the grass and stuff. <laughs> now we may have a different. Uh, we may have a different. Do you have outdoor a lot of deers activity. in your area? We, we we actually do. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, you, you are you are in line for some deer ticks. Oh, God forbid. God forbid. Do you, do you have any wild turkeys running around? Uh. Yes, we do, actually. Well, tur- the turkeys eat the ticks, oh. so you might be in luck. Okay, good. All right, well, then that's a, that's a bonus. <laughs> Thank goodness. Hey, I know you are a fan of horror films. Are you a fan of horror scopes? Okay. Well, I feel like you're a fan of horror scopes because yeah. you're, you're a fan of things that don't really, that are intangible. That's right. But are believable. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, my dad is a huge fan of horoscopes. He's like, I don't really believe it, but you, he reads them like it's to. a Bible. Yeah. And, um, so I think it's funny that, you know, he reads ahead, right? He wants to read the day or the month, but I think it's more interesting to kind of read the day before to see if it even came true. Right. right. Makes so, sense. Right. All right. So let's see. I'm going to go to yours. I already, even though you think you're so secretive about your birthday i already know your sign so let's say this would be the new york post now yesterday mm-hmm. it says you cannot avoid upheaval um that upheaval is coming your way but the good news is it will result mainly in changes you find wholly beneficial go with the flow and let it happen don't be surprised if the experience turns out to be a good one that is so generic yeah well, it definitely applies to me. I went with the flow, and uh, I had dinner with my friend Dan Isaacs last night, and uh, and the experience was beneficial. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's go to to I guess today, but which is really just beginning. But you, it began a little a couple hours ago for you. You might get something for free today. You love that. I do. <laughs> that you thought would cost you dear. Maybe it's the tab. Maybe someone's going to show up with some tab on Well, your- that would be nice. <laughs> uh, although I'd feel bad if anyone got me a $350. Well, maybe they got themselves a $350 uh, case and uh, gave you two of them. I feel and, guilty and, and drinking. We'll, yeah. uh, you should okay. be there with that. But there's no need to worry that you might have to pay even more for it later. On this occasion, the universe wants to be generous, maybe because you have earned it. I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm <laughs> Fingers crossed. How would how did your horoscope turn out from yesterday? Uh, let me check. I haven't looked at it. They pop up a lot. So anyway, uh, let's see. Let's go to mine. Yesterday, I have to zoom in. Wow, my eyes are the worst. Okay, Jupiter's influence in the career area of your chart means you are desperate to prove yourself. Mm, Yikes. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> but as planet Pluto is strong as well. As well, 
you must tread carefully when dealing with employers and senior colleagues. They could see you as a threat. I can absolutely see that because if people didn't hear our last discussion, uh, you have confessed. You have openly admitted to working with. You can download it on Apple. uh, With uh, the former governor of the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, who does a uh, terrific podcast. What's it called now? As a matter of fact. As a matter of fact. <laughs> you can which, download it on Apple. Which, of course, is available on on Apple. Apple. And, um, y- you know, I can understand there being a lot of the factors that you just mentioned in working with someone. I don't think like that governor Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo uh, former governor of New York, f- former, former, you know, attorney general, is uh, seeing me as a threat. I completely disagree. <laughs> that you have not been in Cuomo land enough. He sees everybody as a threat. He sees everybody. What, what, would he, what exactly? What part of his existence would I be threatening? I, I don't know. And he doesn't know. But he's so incredibly insecure that there's some aspect of his psyche that sees you as a threat. I promise you that. I promise. The, you know, you got to, uh, well, we'll talk more off no, air. No, go ahead. I I, we, no. Oh, we'll talk off yeah, air. Yeah, oh, we'll God. talk off air. I don't want to okay. jam you up at all and uh, have these these tapes played out and have no, you No, I actually want to hear what you're about to say yeah. because it's you saying it, not me. Yeah. No, so if you listen to how he's treated reporters that didn't even cover him critically over the years, you know, for instance, there was one reporter um, during one of these COVID briefings that asked a question and just asked him for for proof of one of the things that he was saying. And Andrew Cuomo was so belittling to this guy the whole rest of the press conference, he wouldn't even say his name. He would just say, and let's see what you have to say, Mr. New York Times. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, why did he have to pick on this guy? Like, you could just answer the guy's question or don't. You didn't have to go back to the guy repeatedly, Mr. New York Times. And then another time... He calls Ken Lovett, who at the time was the Albany uh, state editor of the uh, New York Daily News, while Ken Lovett's at the Yankee game, and berates him for writing an article that he felt was unfair and just kills him for this. And then um, Andrew Cuomo thinks the phone is hung up when it's not, and then he proceeds to go into this lengthy diatribe all about obsessing over Ken Lovett and this one article. The guy is... He's a few uh, Cuomo's short of being a Mario. I will say that. Um, so I, I believe that horoscope has or will come true. God, and people us. will see it on. You can download it on Apple. <laughs> I mean, I do. I do enjoy um, the way he says certain words. Um, and and can you can I can you imitate him and say Apple? Apple. Yeah, you do. You okay? You. you did that. Let's let's see the the next thing he All said. Right, so this is a sample of something Andrew Cuomo might say on television or on the nightly news or on the computer. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's as you far as me. As I far- am a fighter, and my instinct is to fight this because it is unfair and unjust in my mind. As far as that goes, well, I don't uh, know that part. Yeah, no, no, no. That that's is. that's that's a Matt Blay supplemental. But as far oh. as that goes, that's actually pretty normal. Um, here's Andrew. Here's that again. Wait, let me play that again. On television or on the nightly news or on the computer. No. On television or on the nightly news or on the computer. On oh television or on the nightly news or on the computer. On the computer. Yeah. See. Um, that is as normal as he sounds, because normally Andrew Cuomo 
does he doesn't have any voice of his own when he is speaking. He is doing an impersonation of Mario Cuomo combined with Christopher Walken. Right. See, thank you. I wish he, he said I'm the only person who thinks he sounds uh, like well, Christopher Walken. <laughs> no, he, he's he's living in a, in a no, but 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 he Cuomo you know world. he works with other people who who don't agree with me either who've worked with him forever and I'm like There's no you sound like uh, Christopher Walken but um he's like you're the only person that's ever told me that but um no one's in the immediate circle seems to agree with me but you do so there's oh, something to it well it's mario cuomo meets christopher walken uh, and again let's hear this this one again. on television or on the nightly news or on the computer so uh, so i mean the word computer is the one that you would computer on the computer <laughs> no that's not how he said on it. television or on the nightly news or on the computer Computer. On the computer. I think that's pretty good. On television or on the nightly news or on the computer. On television oh or on God. the nightly news or me. on the computer. You're doing like a Curtis Lewa thing right now. The- he did something with you the other week. It was driving me nuts. You were in Atlanta. Only one he- thing. Okay. Well, he drives me nuts. Yeah, he does drive me nuts. But I try not to listen to anything he says. But he he said he was doing... Um, what was that song? He was doing some song. He kept playing it over and over. And it was so incessant that it actually, it it, it incited rage in me that I had to, like, I, I couldn't <laughs> shut it off quickly enough. I, I don't know. I oh, my God. It. It, was... It, it was the Friday. We got to find it. <laughs> no. What no. was he playing? Do you know, Matt? It was, it was. He it plays was... a lot of the songs again and again. Yes. So I couldn't even tell you. Because uh... they just, he likes to talk over the music. So the music just loops. No, but he kept saying something that Frank said, and it, it was in a song, and he kept playing. It was awful. I, yeah, I don't know. It was terrible. I don't know. I'm glad I missed it. I'm going to find it, okay. and we're going to play it. I'm going to find it in the break, and we're going to okay. play it. Oh, I know what it is. What I'll, is it? I'll, I'll find it. Oh, you're going to play Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, meantime, we're going to give somebody, since you've suffered through uh, the former governor of the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo. On television oh my or God. on the nightly yeah. news or on the computer. Okay. We're going to give you, uh, whether you're on the computer or listening to the television or the nightly news, Wait, an can opportunity. Can I defend him? Yes, please. Give a shot. <laughs> uh, I don't know of all of these stories you speak of, you know, with the reporter and everything else. So, I, you know, that's your story. It's not my story. Um, I don't agree with this horoscope. That was the that was the premise of this no, entire no, no. segment. That horoscope though. is he definitely right sees CB as a threat. But oh yes, um, yeah, I don't know. So, given our readings, though, you you think that these this are... is a guy that had a state trooper boyfriend of his no, girlfriend no, of his daughter's no. transferred to Glubbersville no, no, or wherever. No, no. the talking, guy's nuts. We're talking He's about crazy. horoscopes. Yes, and the horoscope had to do with with him seeing you as insecure, not him, him being insecure. Not him. Yes. I mean, he, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. Telling you. No, but the point is, is that you think that horoscopes. Are accurate. Is that where we're at? I think that, that was not as accurate as fortune cookies, but I think they're pretty close. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. That's right. Right. Okay. Uh, now I don't know how they are with the new AI written fortune cookies, but uh, historically, the fortune masters that put together these fortune cookies, they are, uh, they, you know, it's the wisdom of Confucius, and it's worked out well for thousands of years. I have a for magnet a at home that says, uh, "I never said all that." Sh- 
Confucius. Oh, that's funny. Okay, um, we're going to give somebody an opportunity to uh, win $1,000. If you're the seventh caller to 800-848-9222, you can play the $1,000 minute. That'll be your bonus for uh, surviving some Andrew Cuomo discussion. 800 name. I said we would discuss this off air. You can you, download it on you, Apple. You oh, my God. Me. No, 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 no. All it, I said, I thought you were, I didn't know you were going to tell me. Five different stories. Well, I thought you we had didn't like go to one. any scandals or anything. We'll we'll save that for next time you're here. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 seventh caller. We'll go. In, we'll uh, let you answer ten trivia questions in sixty seconds. If you can do that, you'll win a thousand dollars. Simple as that. This is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. AOC. Yeah, you know me. AOC. Yeah, you know me. This was funny. Curtis, this is what Curtis was doing. I like this. AOC. Yeah, you know me. This is clever as far as Curtis goes. Over and over again. AOC, yeah, you well, know you've got to understand. He never stops. On the weekend, especially if he's filling in for me on a Friday, which was the case, he's got 25 hours to fill. So, I mean, a lot of that, 20 of those hours, is just repeating the same thing over and over again. You got you get you got two hours of original content multiplied by 20. That's what's gonna happen. So uh, I, I I thought that was going to be much worse. That's actually pretty clever, I, and it is catchy. I must say, it, it, it's really bad, and it's not catchy, and it was horrible. And I it 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 actually really I was enraged. Well, I uh, may disagree with what you say, but I will defend to death your right to say it, as we will whoever the contestant is on. The other side of midnight presents. It's the thousand dollar minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Let's meet today's contestant, Don. Hello there, Don. Hey, how are you? I'm well, Don. Don, have you heard this segment before? Yes, I have. All right, so you know what to do, right? Correct. Okay, so we'll get started if you're ready. Don't get nervous, Um, just, uh, just chill out, okay? Well, um, I'm chilling. I'm uh, getting ready for tea time. Wonderful. Good. Okay. You should be you should be in, in fighting shape then. Okay. What is an ingredient in a BLT sandwich? Bacon. What does FBI stand for? Federal Bureau of Investigation. What country music singer performed the hits 9 to 5 and Jolene? Oh. Um, Molly Pardon. We'll take it. Adjusted for inflation, what is the highest grossing film of all time? Um, Titanic. Uh, I am sorry, Don. It is a little film. It's somewhat obscure. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind <laughs> is uh, the highest grossing film of all time. Adjusted for inflation. You didn't win. I'm going to put you on hold and uh, give Kenneth your information, and we will um, and we will give you a consolation prize. Did you get that one? Marlena? I did not. What did you put? I put nothing. You put nothing. Okay, so you didn't get that. Okay. 
All right. Well, better luck to you next time. Yeah, thanks. So you made a very interesting uh, proposition to me, nothing improper, but a very interesting proposition to me during the uh, commercial break a moment ago. You know, in the first hour of the program on Fridays, we do Ask Frank Anything, and you actually expressed a willingness to do an Ask Marlena Anything, AMA. Yeah, because, you know, if you recall mm, a while ago, I don't know if it was 2020 or 2021. It was probably 2021. We went to the Friars Club. You and I, and we did Frank and Stein, which never, you know, came to be. Um, And I asked you 10 questions to Mm -hmm. see if you could answer it. So it's kind of your turn. Well, first of all, I wish I had more time to prepare. Can we open this up to callers and have them call in and ask you anything? Sure. If you want to. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, co- people call in and ask Marlena anything, although we, we, we gave her a hard time already and we don't want to jam her up. Mm-hmm. We'll say anything except questions about Andrew Cuomo yeah. because I feel like, you know, he's doing well for himself. He's on Apple. <laughs> and, um, you know. Simple, simple questions about a simple segment about a horoscope and it turned into a whole Cuomotion. This is true. <laughs> It did indeed. All right. If you have a question for Melena Shivo on any subject, you can call in and ask 800-848-9222. Let me ask your opinion on the uh, Martha Stewart cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, yeah. What's your opinion of an 81-year-old or Martha Stewart or both being on the cover of the swimsuit edition of uh, Sports Illustrated? Well, it's it, you know, an 81-year-old is one thing, and then there's Martha Stewart, who's also obviously 81, but... Would they put a regular 81-year-old on? Uh, no. Obviously, they're not celebrities. But um, I bet there are some people out there that might even look better than Martha Stewart that they could find. It was fine. I don't care. Sports Illustrator is not, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the audience for Sports Illustrated. I think, I think it kind of plays into woke a little bit, mm-hmm. and I'm not a fan of woke. Um I would never disparage her. I mean, she's a person, and, you know, I think it's great that she feels good about herself, and she'll and she'll do it, and she did it. Um, I just think it's like, oh, look at us. We're so um, you know, forward-thinking, and we're not ageists, and let's, you know, it's like, all right, like enough. Right. Enough. I don't care. I mean, the next thing, it's going to be AOC. <laughs> right. Well, no. Well, I mean, she, she looks good. I could see her being uh... – on the on the cover of Sports but Illustrated, she, but she right? would make a statement and and be in a suit and tie or something. No, she'd have a, <laughs> a tax the rich bikini or something. That's uh, what be. Uh, I don't know if it would be a bikini. It would no, be, it'd it'd be, be like a burkini, and it would be like a statement about the treatment of women in the Middle East. Um, how many of your guests that attended your wedding did not give you a gift? Uh, maybe like two. Two. Okay, and then did you still send them a thank you? Yes. A thank you for coming, kind of a deal. Thank you for celebrating with us. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Why? Well, I'm curious. Curious. Because you have a situation? No, no, no I mean, situation. You've been married since, no, like, Nam at this no, point. No, but I can, I can, I feel like you would, you would have a story about that. Uh, but it's okay. If you were a Muppet. Which oh, that was one of my questions. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Well, well, well these are all questions. <laughs> if you were a Muppet, what Muppet would you be? Oh. Um, I would be, the who's the drummer? Who's the guy that drums? I think it's Animal. Is it Animal? Yeah, Animal. Be animal. You don't be, really? Are you a drummer? <laughs> no, but I, I'm loud, and I like to live out loud. Do you uh, believe in ghosts? Kind of. I kind of do, because I had two experiences that I actually detailed for you. Not I remember well, that. Well, not kind of long but yeah, ago, but, I remember but you left on a this little, show. A little gray area. There is a gray area, and um, I, I don't tend to go around. You know, I'm all about the tangible. That's why I'm not very... Um, 
you know, I'm not very religious or anything. So, um, but yeah, I've had weird experiences, both myself and then my child seeing things that were not there. Um, and so, yeah, there's something. Would you like to be famous? If so, for what? Hmm. I don't know if I sure, I guess. I don't know if I have a desire to be famous for sure. But um, if I were going to fall into fame, um, I would like it to be for uh, comedy. Before you make a telephone call, do you rehearse what you're going to say? To whom? Ever. Only if it's work. I don't rehearse it out loud, but I think about what I'm going to say. Rehearse seems a little bit more... Like you're saying it out loud before you get on the phone. Mm-hmm. I do not ever do that. If you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would it be? Oh, change anything about the way I was raised? Um, I would. Oh, my gosh. You mean like what my parents like anything? Anything. You, you, If you have siblings, you could have no siblings. If you grew up poor, you could say you wish you were rich. If you grew up never taking piano lessons, you could say you wish they forced you to take piano lessons, whatever, anything. I do wish that um, they had switched my violin teacher because I, I – That's what you would change? You wish they would <laughs> switch your violin teacher? Well, you See, I just want to say to the audience, people think the Ask Frank Anything Hour is easy – this is a textbook example of, of why it's not. You don't just have these answers ready. You got to be prepared to answer anything. It could you never know what's coming, and then you end up with a violin teacher answer. <laughs> something well, tells you said me. piano. Okay, but, well, I mean, what what else would I change? I don't know. That's why um, I'm asking the question. It's hard because then you're saying that you're you're going to change one thing about your childhood. I, I you know what I I I don't know I. I I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. That's a hard one. Yeah, it it is absolutely a hard one. 100%. Hmm. Mm -mm. All right. Uh, Let's see what Charlie in Hell's Kitchen has for us. Charlie, what do you have for Marlena? Yes, my question for Marlena is in the 2024 presidential election, I I know I've listened to Marlena before. I know she's not a big Trump fan, but Biden is clearly wrecking everything. He's destroying the economy. It's just things are really bad. Uh, I'm just wondering if the two choices that there were only two choices, Trump versus Biden, who would she vote for? Uh, That's Sophie's I choice. I mean, I'm not voting for Biden, <clears throat> but I can't necessarily say I would vote for Trump. Um, this happened to me in 2020. And well, there were third party people, at least at the time, and a write in. And in Charlie's question, he's not giving you either. No write in option, no third party option. I'm not voting. You got to vote. I'm not voting. Gun to your head. Yes. I'm dying. You're <laughs> I'm dying. getting my big All brains blown right. out. Right. I can't. I can't. I can't give my vote to either one of those All people. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Do you have a hunch as to how you will die? Oh God, that is the worst. That's a. Te- Does anybody ever ask you that? I think probably, but and it's almost always falling asleep while driving because of these crazy hours that I work. Oh God, I hope. Um, I. You know, knock wood, um, I'll be 90, mm-hmm. and um, I will die naturally. The um, 
You're a member of the Writers Guild, right? I am. Is there any part of you that feels guilty doing radio appearances while your fellow guild members are on strike? Do you know I got No. I actually um, got a text from them saying, we need picketers uh, in Hoboken. And, um, you know, obviously I didn't answer and I will not be picketing. I can never... The, if the question is, will you ever picket, the answer is never. Why aren't you picketing? Why would I pick it? Because you're part of the union. Yeah, no. No. No, thank you. All right. Uh, Joel in Manhattan, what do you have for Marlena? Uh, presidential trivia. Dial back to the first president whose primary language was not English. It was Dutch. So that's the question? That's the question. Who was it? Okay. Do you, do you know, Marlena? Primary language was Dutch? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, first language, yeah. I actually don't know that I know this either. Um, you know? I don't think I know that. Dutch. Yeah, I, uh, I I mean, I'm going to guess just because of his last name. I don't know this, and you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong at all. I'm going to guess it was Martin Van Buren. You are correct. Ah, all right. Well, see, yeah, it's a shot in the dark because uh, he did speak English, spoke it well. He was old. Okay, he was an old kinder hook. All right, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna come up with two more. And uh, what's your favorite of the Halloween movies? The the original. The original. Uh, that was a, that was a kind of a, uh, Easy a giveaway. One. Yeah. Um, I'll do. Uh, I'll ask you this: What do you value most in a friendship? Trust. Trust. That's a good one. More so than than. You know, uh, entertainment or anything like that. So it's trust. It's trust. Okay. I mean, I I have you know, <clears throat> you've met Sarah, and I mean, and you've never met Saber, but I I trust both of them. Um, there there's no there's nothing off limits with that those two, and you know, th- there are people that. I don't think have friends like that. I you think know? you're right. Yeah. I, no, I I think you're right, and uh, it, it did. And I definitely... have two, so I'm like, you know, I am. I've won the lottery in the friend department. Uh, you are always very vocal on the um, on the transgender front, right? Um, oh, yeah. There's a story percolating out of Michigan. We have a lot of listeners in Michigan, believe it or not, where uh, something having to do with something called gender queer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, tell me about this. I've just seen the headline. I don't know a lot about this. What's happening in Michigan with respect to gender queer? You know, I don't know what's happening in Michigan with regard to gender queer. All I know is that there's a book called Gender Queer, and it 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 got a lot of attention in 2021. A lot of people probably weren't paying attention back then because everything was about COVID and right. and all these other things. <clears throat> and for the past um, two years, um, it is number one on the most banned book um, in schools, including in I think Michigan. That's <clears throat> I, why I would imagine it's a big but, story now. Well, yes, <clears throat> because. Um, it is. It was in elementary schools. There were K through eight schools, and it. It. If you were to read it and see the page, it was. It's a graphic novel, so it shows illustrations of just very inappropriate, age inappropriate stuff. Um, um, but but the interesting thing is, is that we actually did a segment on uh, book bans uh, not too long ago, and I had reached out to the publicist who represents the author for we, Gender Queer. You and me, or you and Mr. Apple. I'm, I'm not joking. When you say we, who, who, who did it? Um, um, uh, Cuomo. Okay, got yes. it. All right. And it was so, not an unreasonable question. <laughs> but but I asked. Okay, okay, we. Yeah. 
Cuomo, um, did we did book bans. And so I reached out to the publicist um, for Gender Queer, wh- whose name is Maya Kobabe. And um, when I requested this person, uh, the publicist wrote back and um, said, uh, well, I'll just read it. Um, uh, many thanks uh, for your message and your interest in speaking with Maya. Unfortunately, air schedule precludes M from taking on one more interview request, which clearly this person's pronouns are air and M. What? what well, mean? well it, instead what of there and them, they, oh. they lob off the TH. Okay. So this, so, and okay. So, but what I found very interesting because about this woke movement uh, of pronouns and everything else you're not supposed to assume someone's pronouns, right? And and you are allegedly supposed to ask people's pronouns, right? Well, in this email, she wrote, "Dear Ms. Shivo." Oh, she she yes. assumed your pronoun. She assumed my pronoun. You which... should have been MX, right? <laughs> MX, right? Huh? Or isn't that it, the it, proper gender neutral pronoun? That is the gender neutral program. But she said, "Dear Ms. Shivo," and I found it's that horrible. very offensive. <laughs> I found it incredibly. Hypocritical, shocking, shocking. But you know, um, you know. First of all, I at least I'm trying to think how I feel about that air and M kind of thing because I was watching Jeopardy Masters. Do you watch Jeopardy Masters? I do not. All right, so I'm looking forward to tonight's episode very much. But it's it's really been great. But one of the people, one of the contestants, one is transgender, another is non-binary, and a couple of people are just uh, cisgender, and w- they're trying to talk about the non-binary person. And it's the most confusing thing in the world because Ken Jennings, the host, and the other contestant keep saying they. Uh-huh. And I, and I, even though I know what they're talking about, I keep thinking they're referring to multiple people. And it is annoying that they use something that's generally meant for plural to be for a single person. And I feel like less people would be annoyed by the transgender movement if they didn't annoy people with their plurality. <laughs> I think it goes beyond that. No, but- well, that's a key Part of it. Let me end with this, Marlena, and then we're going to do 15 seconds of fame, 800-848-9222. You know, uh, I'm, a, uh, I think, a very easy fellow to get along with. And, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody would say as an interviewer that I have been unfair to anyone. The only criticism I've ever gotten as an interviewer is that I'm too easy on guests. And yet I invited your your colleague, Andrew Cuomo, on this program, and I said I would even tape it whenever he wanted to tape and yet they acknowledge receiving my request the second or third time, and he still has not come on this program. I see he's been on other programs. Why do you think the governor won't come on with me? I'm supposed to answer that? No, well, give me your opinion. Why you know? are you, you, like, you are causing a lot of quomotion okay. on this on this broadcast today. A lot of quomotion. And if, if there is a backlash from it, I am coming straight right, to you. fair enough. I don't want but, to get you in um, trouble. No, I, well, it came out of That's your mouth life. not mine. What's that? That's life. If you're wondering where you could hear um, on the money with uh, Governor Cuomo, it's it's downloaded on Apple. Maybe, maybe he caught wind of maybe some of the not so positive (laughs) things you have said, apparently. But that's why he would get so much street cred by coming on with me. Yeah. Knowing that I have a history of being critical, because but not unfair. I defended him with his uh, sexual harassment situation, you know, and I got killed for the, by a lot of people in the audience for that. I went on for an hour about how I thought he was railroaded unfairly. I, I think he would send a message to people, you know, okay, 
Andrew Cuomo is willing to step outside of his Apple bubble and answer challenging questions. Although, again, as I said, I don't think my questions are exactly that challenging. They're just they, I let him say whatever he wants. All right. Well, maybe. <laughs> You know what? Maybe if you, uh, I don't know. All you right, know? we'll negotiate off air. Um, who, who knows? All right. Well, this was fun. I can't negotiate. I am not. I am not his. I do not schedule all his right. interviews. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Marlena Shivo, It is always a treat to see you. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, you're going to want to follow her on all forms of social media except TikTok. Uh, it's uh, Marlena S <laughs> C H I A V O. And uh, there's a lot of humor on there, a lot of great photos, a lot of great fun, and uh, occasionally some even video clips of uh, her on this program, her with my colleague Sid Rosenberg, and some other things. Always a treat. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. Hello. This is Governor Andrew Cuomo. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of only faith. time for two here. Frank in Albany. Hello. I dare anyone to beat this all-star team in the world at pitcher Christy Matthewson, Johnny Bench at catcher, Lou Gehrig at first base, Pete Rose at second base, Wagner at shortstop, Mike Schmidt. Vinny in Vermont. How you doing? Why, why are you so obsessed with William Shatner? You pick up his not red. That's huh? right. That's right. I got to I gotta preserve that somehow. Have a great weekend, everybody. Back Monday, God willing. Frank Morano, good day. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.